0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with
1: andrew hustler patterson and michael remus hey what's up everyone and welcome to another edition of winnipeg sports talk daily andrew patterson back in the host chair shout out to remo for holding it down doing a hell of a job over the last three days when uh I was down in Vegas enjoying the Super Bowl win by my Chiefs parade today. Much celebrations in KC. If only I had made a plan to hit KC on the way back from Vegas. That would have been truly great planning. That being said, uh, happy to be here, happy to be back, despite it being a little cold just in time for my return. Uh, But I did get back just in time to see my true love last night on Valentine's Day. The Winnipeg Jets get a big win last night in a shootout. Fun night at their rink We'll get to that. Um, and we've got some great stuff to to chop up today. Obviously, CFL free agency continuing. Bombers somewhat quiet after the big announcement yesterday, making it official that Kenny Lawler is coming back to the blue and gold. Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports will come on. We'll get DB's takes on uh, how the Bombers are looking right now, what still needs to be done for Kyle Walters, as well as some of the big moves around the league. Um, and then more Jets talk with our good friend Murat Tesh of the Athletic. Trade deadline coming up in uh, early March. We'll uh, hit that. The latest on uh, Marat's thoughts on uh, what the Jets may be looking at. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk about the game and look ahead to this big road trip, which will take them to Columbus and out to New York City coming up next week. And uh, it's curling season now, folks. I know uh, often many of you, like myself, I mean, are not grinding on the curling scene day-to-day for the first few months of the year, but the Scotties and the Briar are back. And uh, Matt Dunstone, what a season he's had coming back to officially play for Manitoba, winning the Manitoba Championship last week. He will join us later on in the program today. So uh, a great show for you. Welcome to everyone with us on YouTube right now. Great to see you all. If you haven't, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and check out the podcast as well. Wherever you get podcasts, search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe to the audio feed. And, of course, for folks that are listening on the pod, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. When you have the opportunity, get on over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel and uh, see what we do with the full video content uh, that the CTO puts together every day when we get going. Um, Huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, led by our friends at Cool Bet Canada. New lock shop out today, hitting the Genesis Open, and tomorrow we'll have a big Scotty's preview for you curling fans. Uh, Of course, our friends at Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and... We'll get to a why not question of the day a little bit later on for our friends at Not AutoCorp. Michael Remus, what's going on? And uh, great job again for uh, holding it down while well, I got away for a few days. How are you? Yeah, it was fun, but
2: uh, great to have you back. Nice to have someone to uh, converse back and forth here. And, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the same, but I was happy to do my part and making sure the building didn't burn down. So uh, it was pretty... It was good. you know. Thankfully, Huss, you picked a good weekend to go away. We had a lot to get to on Friday with the Super Bowl coming up and the Jets returning and then you know, recapping the Super Bowl, talking to Jets. Oh, yeah, and CFL free agency,
1: no shortage. So it's been fun here, actually, the last couple of days. I see Kenny's water bottle. As an Eagles fan, Hus' sweater might be the ugliest, most disgusting thing I've ever set my eyes on. I know it was Red Friday every day last week. I I mixed up my chief stuff going into the Super Bowl. I'll probably cut down on it more now, but uh, hey, it's Parade Day, my first day back after the win. You knew I was going to drop the Kingdom shirt on everyone. And uh, I will say this, looking forward to um, – we'll talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl just at the end of the show because uh, I know uh, probably plenty of oxygen has been spent on that. It's a couple days away. We'll get to some highlights of the parade Uh, But let's get right to it, Remo. Jets back on home ice last night taking on the Seattle Kraken on a Valentine's Day special. Pretty good game for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, credit to the Kraken. This is not a team that I've watched a lot of. I have sort of wondered from afar how they've done, what they've done so far this year. Um, And I guess I was asking myself that a few times last night because the Jets really did seem to be taking it to the Kraken quite a bit. But there we were in the third period with the Jets down 2-1, Needing a big goal from Pierre-Luc Dubois to get it to overtime. Nothing settled. And then a pretty fun shootout. Big, big saves by big save Dave himself. And uh, PLD with the winner last night. The Jets get a big two points, three in a row, looking to uh, start off their road trip. Maybe with a little payback for the Columbus Blue Jackets, considering what happened here in Winnipeg in the loan meeting between the clubs earlier this year. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a good game. Two teams currently uh, in the playoffs.
2: Seattle's been, you know, they had coming in. The game, they had won one, but they had lost three in a row before that. Um, so you, you know, you know, they're a good team, and they really go with the balanced attack. Don't really have that one, you know, superstar point scorer who's above everyone. Uh, solid game, but kind of a weird game. I thought the Jets were playing well, and they were outplaying Seattle. But you know, you have Dubois take that penalty, and Seattle goes on the power play, and, and the you know the, two, the second goal for Seattle, one of the most bizarre goals I've seen where it goes off, you know, Plinko's off two Jets skates, you know, one, and then it goes into the slot, and then in the back of the net, no chance uh, for Dave Riddick there, who got the start after Hellbuck was ill and morning skate, and he is traveling, with the team will get to skate later, but just on last night, and, you know, it's funny how you know, Dubois takes the penalty, and Seattle scores a double, I call it a double doink goal on Twitter, um, hmm. then... You know, Dubois, after a faceoff win, he gets the puck in front and he's trying to pass it to someone else to for a back door. Bounces off the defenseman skate and in. So another uh, doink goal and in to tie the game, you know, halfway through the third period. So um, I thought it was a very entertaining game. Overtime uh, was great, but we would have liked to see a goal. We did not. And it was the first sh- uh, shootout for the Jets this season. And uh, they came up with a win. And it was Dubois again with the win. So we're making an impact there.
1: I, uh, I I mean, we've talked about this along. I know it's in vogue for people to say the shootout sucks. Um, as someone that buys tickets that goes to games, I sure as hell didn't want to leave with the tie last night. And it really is a fun, exciting way to end a regular season game, especially when both teams are guaranteed the point. And, you know, we sort of saw that in the last 90 seconds or so, both teams considering where they are, wanted to make sure they got the single and then play for the bonus point in OT, and that was what uh, what had happened. But again, I mean, we can talk about the goals that win, and obviously PLD with the winner, um, but this was another big game for Big Save Dave. Um, I, I kind of have to laugh, remote. The last two years, we've had massive freakouts amongst part of the fan base about the backup goaltending position at the beginning of the year. And um, as the year has played out, last year, Eric Comrie do an incredible job, and this year... I think big save Dave, you have to say that he's exceeded just about everyone's expectations about what he's brought to the Winnipeg Jets, and it's a big reason why the Jets are where they are right now is the record that they have with Connor Hellebuck not in the net, and another big win for Dave last night.
2: Yeah, it seems like, well, when he was signed, you know, I agree, there was similar free goats. Even with every backup the last couple of years, I was thinking about it this morning um, while having breakfast. This is what I think about while I'm having breakfast as the Jets... Backup goalie history. You know, Lauren Brossois, He was really big unknown and parlayed that into a nice contract with uh, with Vegas. And then Eric Comrie parlayed that into a contract with Buffalo. And they brought in Dave Riddick, a $900,000 contract. You know, he had had some success in the league before, but it just hadn't gone well the last couple of years. And I don't know what's in the goaltending water here, to winnipeg but the backups come in and they play well. I know he got off to a really rough start, Hustle. Remember that first game in Vegas,
1: yeah, or the the Jets first period di- in Vegas was an absolute disaster.
2: So, here I tally the numbers. Since that first game, I mean, these are his numbers. 9-3-0, 238 goals against, nine one four save percentage. I mean, incredible results here for a guy who's on a $900,000 contract. Your team, you know, trying to have all this cap space. We're going to see what they do with it, if anything, you know, as we approach the deadline. But, I mean, the results here have been incredible. I, I think it's but his save percentage, I tweeted it out actually, where he ranks with those numbers among all goalies who've played more than 400 minutes. Uh, his goals against, 238, ranks 10th, and his save percentage ranks 19th. Uh, so I mean, among I mean, I think that's pretty good for, for your a number goalie. two. <laughs> yeah, nine three and two, and he's got. What, I think it's a four game win streak now. I have it in the notes. Uh, let me just bring. He- yeah, and, and
1: I mean, just looking season over. I mean, obviously that didn't include that first Vegas game, but even with a four goal four goals against in the first period of the season for Dave, he's at two point five two goals against average for the year and a 9-11 save percentage. He has been uh, he's been everything the team could have asked and more. And the other fun thing, Remo, when you're at the games, is just the fact that. You know, obviously, big save Dave is the nickname, but it's just shortened to Dave. And Dave continues to give the Jets uh, real quality backup goaltending. And, you know, an interesting situation yesterday. It wasn't like it was planned for him to go into the net. You mentioned that Connor Hellbuck wasn't feeling well earlier on at the morning skate. Plans changed, and Dave went in and uh, delivered another good performance for the Winnipeg Jets last night with 29 saves and a couple big ones in the shootout. Um, So here we are now. Jets hit, hitting the road and looking pretty darn good in the standings right now, Reem. Um, and, you know, again, we spent a lot of time during the off week talking about the effect of that comeback win against St. Louis and the in the Josh Morrissey game. Um, they've now won three in a row, had the opportunity to make it four in a row and a little payback against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And really get some momentum heading into three and four days in a real, real busy schedule, taking on the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, and the New York Islanders next week. Uh, Going to be a fun trip, but great opportunity to make it four in a row on Thursday against Seabus. Yeah, that, I think that's a good
2: opponent to start off the road trip. And first, you know, we've been talking about this all week, House, how the break, you know, some teams, uh, we were talking with Rob Simpson yesterday, he said for the Kraken kind of stopped all their momentum. They had that big road win streak. And you, know, you take a break, you, everyone departs, and then they started on the road. I think it was beneficial for the Jets to end before the break at home and then come back home. So you're not you know you get to a bit of a recharge uh, from your trip. and I think you could see the benefits against Chicago. I know I know it's Chicago, us, uh, but hey you can only play the games that they put in front of you. And I thought Seattle, um, for the most part of the game, um, they looked they looked pretty strong. they' were out, outshot them. Uh, you would have liked to see a, a goal on one of those power plays, but I uh, didn't. And they had a nice comeback and were able to get the two points. So, uh, you know, Columbus, we know they're one of the bottom teams in the league. And you kind of got to ramp. You know, it starts on what? It's like starts in easy mode with Columbus. And then it gets, you know, medium against New Jersey. Pretty good. And the Rangers are super, super hot right now, especially after acquiring Tarasenko. Watch out for them. And so then it gets hard. So you kind of get to ramp up and then you return home. Uh, for February twenty-four, I don't. I, you couldn't see the digital ads uh, while you were at the game, but they, they another, keep,
1: another great reason to go to the games, stream, as you well know. They keep
2: hyping up Makar versus Morrissey February twenty-four. I I've never seen man on man marketing for a hockey game, but they're, they're no. They did it
1: earlier this year for the Tampa game.
2: Yeah, they Hellebuck did it Hellebuck versus Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky didn't play, so. Uh, maybe they'll have luck in McCarthy. Yeah, and Vasilevsky yeah. didn't want any of that smoke. Yeah, he didn't want he didn't want a part of it. So <laughs> you missed all those uh, promotion though while you were at while you were at the game. It was well, only on for us on I did, see, on TV. I,
1: I did watch I, I made it into a um into a casino uh, sports book on Saturday night to watch the Jets Chicago game. And I guess they had the regular Sportsnet feed. By the way, that seemed like a really, really fun game. That was the one thing that I really regretted going away for the weekend was not being in that game just to see what the crowd was going to be like. Extra lit with the 9 p.m. start. Um, From all accounts, everything they did for the South Asian Heritage Night was a huge, huge hit. Um, Obviously, the home team won. Looked pretty good on TV, but it would have been good to be there. And, And last night as well. I mean, it was a little sleepy at times earlier on. Uh, but I thought that the way the Winnipeg Jets played him, maybe the, the play last night that got the crowd into it the most, dream, was not something that shows up on the scoreboard. But credit where credit is due to the Jets' penalty-killing unit. Six minutes in PK time in the first period that they killed, and the best moment of maybe the entire game outside of the goals was Adam Lowry killing a penalty without a stick. Brendan Dillon had broken his stick. Adam Lowry gave Dillon his stick, and... And popped out the leather two beautiful kick saves without a stick last night. Uh, Just another example of what Adam Lowry does for the Winnipeg Jets. And he said afterwards that, you know, when he was younger, he was thought maybe he had what it took to be a great goalie. He obviously went a different direction, and that's paid off in the National Hockey League. But he still... I I guess if if the Jets needed an e-bug, we know where they're going to after uh, those two kick saves by Lowry last night. And...
2: Giving me flashbacks to Eric Tangrady on that shift where he blocked like with like four Tangle. shots that,
1: that, that's the most legendary PK shift in Winnipeg jet history tango yeah.
2: and this one um I mean he didn't have a stick and you know normally I'm like you know if you don't have a stick I always wonder if it's more beneficial just to go and get one but you give any NHL player like just a split second opening uh, they can take advantage they're that good so Adam Lowry using his goalie instincts, and yeah, he was really tossing out the leg. Some, those were legit kick saves. It was pretty incredible uh, what a guy can do when you don't have to worry about your stick. Um, maybe just go, hey, just kill a penalty with uh, no stick every time, right? That was the one they didn't score on when they everyone had sticks. They scored on the power play, huh? so uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we've identified a trend here. Just on the 9 p.m. game, I said here uh Monday show, they should have once, t- once every year a special, like, 9 p.m. game, home, home game. You get national TV, and you get the focus on you. Um, I'm here for that. So if, if it's Super Bowl weekend, 9 p.m. start, oh, let's, let's do that.
1: Hey, you know who else I think would be all in favor of that would be all the downtown businesses. I mean, I'm sure, and this is just I'm assuming this to be the case, but from all accounts, people took advantage of those extra hours before the game to uh, get a few in them, maybe have dinner somewhere beforehand. And uh, listen to, to be able to have an extra two hours or three hours of pregame um, sales. Great for everyone. Now, obviously that's not a time that regularly you could consistently have games. No, but if you did it once, I'll, well, for sure. And let's face it. I mean, come playoff time, depending on what the matchups are, we've seen the Winnipeg Jets before have to play home games at 8 30 p.m due to TV, uh, and I wouldn't rule that out. Bottom line is, though, speaking of playoffs, Ream, I just got my uh, action-required email from the Jets on my season tickets for next year and the playoffs. And I haven't wanted to think playoffs too, too much. It's such a long, long season. But as we look at the Jets heading out onto this road trip, 54 games in the books, 69 wins, 15 games above 500, and just two points back at the Dallas Stars, with a game in hand Uh, and eight points clear, the Colorado Avalanche who now only have two games in hand. So uh, I think we can start making plans for playoff games and the whiteout here in Winnipeg. It's going to be a fun run. First of all, to the trade deadline and see the way this team looks come the 4th of March. But the bottom line is they have really, really uh, turned things around from a rough spot heading into the break. Josh Morrissey being the catalyst of that game against St. Louis. And, uh, did what they had to do to get two points in their first games uh, coming out.
2: Yeah, I, you know, there was all kind of, there's been a couple times I've had these losing streaks. Where we're like, oh, are the Jets not for real? Is the season going to fall apart here like it did in the second half of 2019? And uh, they had that win against St. Louis where it was looking, you know, it was pretty quiet in the building until Josh Morrissey scored and fired everyone up, continued it after the break. And I really do think, that I've said this so many times, how beneficial it was. You could tell they were running out of gas, and it's definitely benefited a guy like uh, Blake Wheeler, who's got goals in consecutive games. You know, he had two on Saturday, and just a really nice one after a pass by Nikolai Ehlers. Wheeler out in front, um, just how he maneuvered his body. It look, you know, it looked like he did, uh, you know, between the legs, but it was not. It was just a quick pivot where he's able to make the goalie move and put it in the back of the net. So, um, gotta like what you've seen. So far from the Jets in two games. I know it's not like, like, uh, it's not, you know, who have you beat? But this is who they scheduled. They won. Move on.
1: Yeah, well, and, and, you know, people might be able to say that again after uh, the game on Thursday against Columbus if the Jets win. No one in the dressing room of the organization is going to care. Get the two points. Move on. Uh, And as you kind of laid out, I mean, some good tests going to NYC. With the Devils and um and Rangers and back to back nights. I mean, both of those teams poised to be playoff teams. And you know, we haven't talked a lot about Jersey this year, and we will, I'm sure, as we get closer to the game. Um we've talked a lot about the job that Rick Bonus has done here in Winnipeg. Lindy Ruff done a hell of a job in in Jersey. And I just think back about the first week of the season when they started 0 3 and the chan and the chance in Jersey were fire Lindy. And then a month later, the chants were, sorry, Lindy, um, apologizing after they'd won 13 or 14 in a row. Um, But yeah, the Jets start off with that game against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday. Then a couple days off and then three and four beginning on Sunday against the New Jersey Devils. A couple other things coming out of the game last night. And listen, I, and I know where you're going to go with on this. Everyone's talking about Josh Morrissey tying the franchise record for points by a defenseman with 56. Ties buff in thirteen fourteen. Like, hello, Phil Housley, 79 assists in 92-93. Like, for all the things, if we want to talk about franchise records, and I know we've got these thrasher numbers in, uh, most certainly I recognize Winnipeg Jets records. Phil Housley 92 93 still has set the bar which could be a long time before it's touched but that doesn't take anything away from the brilliant season that Josh Morrissey's having.
2: Yeah, um I wasn't as annoyed hearing about it yesterday. I you know overall I, I think the whole situation is really stupid that there's a team called the Winnipeg Jets and there's another team called the Arizona Coyotes and the Coyotes have the Jets 1.0 records it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me but you know we've we've kind of beat that a lot. I'm really happy for Josh. You know, bottom line is you're happy for Josh Morrissey, the season he's having, first time All Star. He's been in the league, um, you know, was, was seventh season, and all these guys did actually play in Winnipeg. So I'm fine with this situation. Defenseman assist season, uh, single season Morrissey setting the record, 45. Enstrom did have 44 with the Thrashers, 0910. Uh, Truba 42, 1819. Buffalo 41. And Anstrom 41, Buffalo. And that was 11-12. So, you know, I think you're just happy for Morrissey. But I do think, um, you know, we've got to find a way to do Winnipeg Jet, like Winnipeg Hockey records and Winnipeg. Because the way that they're doing it doesn't make sense. It's a disservice to the fans. But I am happy for Morrissey. But we talk. I think we do have to talk about this. Because, like, I think it annoys people. And I know TSN Stats Center does a really good job of putting up Winnipeg Hockey history
1: Yeah, record. like if some guy, someone goes and scores 65 goals as a rookie... Are we going to say that's the record? We're just going to forget about Solani scoring 76 no. goals? I won't. Uh, most people won't either. So, um, But anyways, listen, the fact that Morrissey's even in that conversation with Housley speaks to the amazing season that he's had. Another point last night. He just continues to make things happen. And the one other thing, we'll get to practice in just a second, Reem. Um, man, the Jets have been good at home this year. And it's funny. They're 28- 20 and eight right now on home ice. And I'm kind of thinking like I missed the Philly game. I missed the, like my record right now this year is like 19 and three or something like that. Being uh, in the seats for the games, Uh, the times that I have missed games have actually been the few times that they've lost. Um, But listen, if you've been going to games a lot this year, you've seen some great hockey and, uh, perfect timing for the Jets to get that 20th win sending out uh, invoices for season tickets and renewals and uh, obviously getting people hyped up for the playoffs as well oh yeah I mean start start planning
2: uh it seems like they're gonna be in and you know try to see if they can pass Dallas I don't know people in chat right now are like does Dallas go overtime every single game they keep getting these uh, damn loser points was Boston beating them in overtime uh last night so uh i think it's going to be a race here to the end it's unfortunate the jets don't actually play dallas they only play them three times and they've already had them had them all um so you know we'll have to see how it goes and the jets yet yeah, two points behind dallas with a game in hand so they're certainly uh, on a similar pace um go quickly we do
1: have an injury report a member of the jets won't be making the trip and strangely enough it's not a player rem-
2: yeah upper body injury for <laughs> for brad lauer Head coach, they did say what herniated disc. I was shocked they revealed that information. You never, you don't know how the opponent, what they're going to do to target it, hustler. <laughs> uh,
1: target <laughs> an injured coach? <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> you don't know. Well, you don't. You never know. Teams will do whatever they can need to do uh, to take advantage. And uh, just as far as um, you know, the the lines go. Uh, Nate Schmidt. He didn't practice, but he'll be fine. Hellebuck, he skated too. He's going to go on the trip. They called him Arvid Home. The interesting part about this is that Eric Dubois will help uh, now that Brad Lauer is out with an injury, and he's going to travel on the road. And this is, I don't know if you knew this, this isn't the first time that a player's dad has been on the Jets coaching staff we experienced last year. And at, we remember hearing Adam Lowry talk about his relationship with Dave and how it changed when Dave became the head coach. I did have, you know, some concerns, you know, being like, didn't we already do this with the player's dad on the coaching staff? But I'm sure that they discussed this with uh, Pierre Luke, and they've gone over all the scenarios. Or I don't know, it's a thing where we you're like, Pierre, your dad's hey, going to come gonna be He's, he's going to be uh, assisting
1: uh, yeah. the guys. It's not going to be like being the head knock like Dave Lowry was. And by the way, Dave Lowry got a nice uh, warm welcome to um, – Canada Life Center last night by the fans and the organization yes. tribute at a video last night. We'll or talk more about this a little tribute. later on. There, there was no big tribute video. There was not <laughs> a lot of rehashing the uh the glory or lack thereof during That is nice uh, during Dave's uh, Dave's time. That is and he's nice doing that they well with that. this new cup. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Um we'll talk more Jets with Marat coming up a little bit later on. We're going to get to some CFL talk though with uh with our guy Darren Bombing coming up in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, chilly again today, folks. Um, And if you're in need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter, Manitoba Battery wants you to know they're the most convenient and well-priced option in the city. How convenient, you ask? Well, put in that order at lunchtime today and have it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you would spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. It's that simple. Let me repeat... Order a battery today before 1.30 p.m. and have it on your doorstep anywhere in the city by the end of the workday. Basically, the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg, but shopping local. No fighting for a parking spot at Costco. No waiting in line at Canadian Tire. No spending more money on a battery at the big box stores. Just let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you while you spend time on on more important things. Uh, Two minutes, either make the phone call or order online at manitobabattery.com. Let Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery simplify your life. Uh, Our friends at Consolidated Supply looking ahead to spring, summer, snow leaving. Of course, some incredible landscaping, irrigation, artificial turf options is the leader in uh, that side of things, in the golf industry for decades here in Manitoba, also the club car dealer. And if you're thinking on a great project for maybe the backyard or expanding the fun space of your home, think about a spa or a hot tub or maybe a beautiful outdoor kitchen. They've got it all. Consolidated supply. Give Spicy Joe the gang a call or pop down and see him. 1395 Niagara Road East, or check out their Relaunched website now with everything Consolidated Supply has going on at cte.ca. Don't forget, folks, the Unsung Hero program with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morris. He continues send us emails of nominations for that person near your community, spending time, hours, and more making other people's lives better, whether it be through charitable work, volunteering in minor sports, the school system, charity, the uh, healthcare you let us know unsung hero at com. Our unsung hero for the month will receive an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the nominator's name to the Dream Factory, and Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that $500 so everybody wins. Unsung hero at com is uh, where you want to get that out. And, uh, hey, a big shout-out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, pop by any one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. You'll be supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And don't forget, folks, February is Heart Month. It's crucial to support this vital organ with omega-3 fatty acids. We can all, can't always get enough in our diet, so supplement with RX3 Omega-3 fish oil by Natural Factors. It helps support cardiovascular health and a cognitive function. I help, joint pain, and flexibility. On sale today at Vita Health, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's get bombing in here. It's been a minute since we've had DB on. He's been busy covering CFL free agency for Bonfire, bonfire Sports the last couple days. Darren Bombing, how are you, my friend? Great to have you back on WST.
0: It's good to be with you, man. What a day it was yesterday.
1: Big time. You know, I was traveling all day, and I would get on. I got on an early flight. I had a little bit of time on my layover, and, uh, man, my head was spinning just trying to keep track of everything happening around the league. Uh, I guess the big thing, though, is we start off with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I, I, You you could t- tell me if you were at all surprised it was a little quieter. It almost seemed like this is the way it was going to be and has been the last couple of years. Kyle Walters doing all his work before free agency. Um, and we knew last week of the big fish, Kenny Lawler, coming back. And that was made official yesterday. And we heard from Kenny Lawler. Um, just thoughts on the Bombers. First of all, Lawler coming back and where the Bombers sit right now after day one of free agency.
0: Yeah, not a lot of work to do for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because everybody was essentially back, right? Uh, You know, Dalton Schoen paired with Kenny Lawler, like you could argue those are the two best, most productive receivers in the CFL over the last two years with Lawler being uh, just an absolute beast and then, of course, uh, the rookie phenom that was Dalton Schoen and not signing an NFL contract. Now, uh, (laughs) it's a cliche, but I'll throw it out there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I thought maybe they were going to make some changes on the offensive line. They did. Yeah, Michael Couture, their starting center, moves on, goes back home to uh BC. And, you know, they're, they're going to go with Tui Ellie, player that uh, wasn't around last year. Chris Kolonkowski stepped up really well. But those big veterans are back, right? Jeff Gray still under contract. Pat Neufeld. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, Stanley Bryant, you know, a lot of Hall of Fame caliber uh careers and talent in there. No, the offensive line isn't a sexy conversation to have. People aren't talking about uh, you know, these guys, you know, making an impact on a week-to-week basis. But this is how you build good football teams at the line of scrimmage. Kyle Walters knows it. The best GMs in the CFL and in the NFL know it. So getting those guys back. On the other side of the ball, Jefferson, Jeff Coat, Adam Big Hill. Um, you know, those were huge, huge uh, retentions for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So the fact that they got maybe the biggest, sexiest fish in the pond in free agency by getting Kenny Lawler to come back after a year with Edmonton, I don't know if Winnipeg could have had a better free agency despite it being relatively quiet.
1: Well, exactly. And, you know, I think the price as well. I mean, Kenny Lawler comes back first year, 265, second year, 300. And you would think that, you know, there'll be a nice playoff check at some point, depending on how far the Bombers go as well. Uh, and then Gino Lewis topping that with, I think, 320 in Edmonton a little early on. We'll get to the rest of the leak in a second. Um, but Casey Sales, and I know you tweeted this out, this is a guy that was a very impactful player He's gone. He's getting some big money out east. Um, how do they replace Casey Sales? And how big of a hole do you think that leaves, Darren?
0: It's it's a hole, absolutely. Casey Sales, a bit unheralded on a star-studded defense. When you talk about you know those guys on the defensive front that I just mentioned, uh, you know all of those jerseys are in the crowd. There wasn't a lot of Casey Sales jerseys. Uh, you know, just just you know the reality that it is for a defensive tackle in the CFL. But he was incredibly productive. Look at the numbers and understand that an interior defensive lineman like Casey Sales isn't going to get the tackles, tackles for loss, the sacks, the knockdowns that edge defenders on the D line like Jeff Code and, and Jefferson are going to get. The reason those guys, the Jeffs have been so effective is because of the work Casey sales was doing on the inside for a defensive tackle. The numbers were outstanding. There's a reason why the Hamilton Tiger cats, um, you know, it wasn't just him. They, they brought in a lot of talent on the defensive front and, and sales is getting $200,000 a year, which is a huge sum of money for a defensive tackle, but probably deservedly. So as far as replacing him, This is where I'm kind of saying, I'm telling fans, rest a little bit on the laurels that is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers brass scouting staff and management. They found Brandon Bryant at defensive tackle. He then went to the NFL. They found... um, Casey Sales, and obviously he has been uh, outstanding there as well. They, they found defensive tackle after defensive tackle over the last five, six, seven years. So I'm sure Winnipeg, because they're spending those big tickets on a lot of those stars, including Kenny Lawler and some of those guys that are, are, are back on new contracts like Nick Dembski and the highest paid quarterback in the league, rightfully so, in Zach Kolaris. You maybe have to find a bit of a discount or a bargain at some positions. I think defensive tackle is a spot Winnipeg has a lot of confidence that they can replace.
1: Um, We know that Zach Kalaris is the guy going forward at quarterback. Um, What's that quarterback room going to look like once we get in? uh, How many new faces do you think might be around at training camp?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they're going to bring in a couple guys, right? They they have to. That's the reality of pro football. you got to bring in that next crop and see if you can find that next star quarterback in the CFL. Uh, of course, Zach Kalar signing a three-year contract extension at the end of the season following the Grey Cup loss. That's locked down. Real tight for a long, long time. Drew Brown signed a contract extension in 2021, so he is under contract for this coming year. I think he is a legit CFL starting talent uh, and and will start games in the CFL in his future. If it's in Winnipeg, great. If it's somewhere else, that might be the reality as well. Dakota Prukop, people calling me crazy hustler in training camp last year. Dakota Prukop, they're going to use him like Chris Streveler. People are saying... Bombing. You're saying that Dakota Prukop, this journeyman veteran CFL backup, is going to be Chris Streveler? No, they're going to use him like Chris Streveler. And what did we see? Nearly 100% picking up first downs uh, in short yarded situations, had six touchdowns rushing last year, threw for a couple. Yeah, he also threw for a couple interceptions. I don't know what was going on in the Grey Cup, but those two picks, definitely costly. You could talk play calling. Pro Cups play himself, whatever. The reality is he was incredibly effective and dangerous with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's going to the USFL. So now we have to remember there's a lot of veterans. Like one of the biggest linebackers out there, Darnell Sankey, is going to sign uh, in the XFL, I believe. There's the USFL, the XFL. All of those are options now for a lot of these impact players in the cfl so for the blue bombers maybe you find uh, a a quarterback that is ready to come up here and 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 try to uh you know uh, get a bigger role uh in canada instead of going to those american routes
1: well speaking of sankey you know dusty and i were doing the lock shop earlier today and touched on this quickly and he sort of brought up just how surprising it was that you know a guy that probably would be looking at you know in the neighborhood of 200 grand is one of the top linebackers in the entire um, CFL is going to the XFL, where I believe most of the players are making around 65 grand. I mean, do you think this is just an opportunity for him to maybe quicker get looks at the National Football League and get that opportunity at 28 years old that probably won't be there if it doesn't happen this year? Because I don't think you can make the argument that he's leaving money on the table playing in that league as opposed to what would be available to him right now in the CFL.
0: No, no question that the appeal of the XFL and the USFL is more eyes on those players from nfl teams right so players want to play close to home they want to be close to their their partner their kids their life their family uh you know maybe their off-season job those sorts of things um you know paying rent up in canada it's it's another piece of rent you got to pay so uh, i think there's a lot of appeal to go to those american leagues the other thing we have to keep in mind is the xfl and the usfl well they're played in the spring so by the time Those schedules are complete. Those guys have that $65,000. American dollars, mind you, not the 65 league minimum. Not saying those guys are league minimum, but that's Canadian dollars versus American dollars. So make it 1.3 to every Canadian dollar they they could be making. And if they really want to, they can play that 10-game schedule in the USFL or in the XFL, essentially half a CFL season, and then come north and sign another contract in the CFL. Are they going to be making top, top end dollar after playing in the XFL or the USFL? I would say no, because a lot of that money has already been spent. But if they are a known commodity, a proven producer and performer in the Canadian Football League, there is a team that is going to throw some cash their way to help bolster their team, especially if there's an injury in training camp or early in the season, um, that, that some of these guys uh, might want that opportunity to you know put their body through, believe it or not, 25 you start going playoffs, thirty games in a season for a football player—it's a lot. Darren bombing
1: of Bonfire Sports breaking down CFL free agency with us. Bombers still clearly the team to beat in the West, but a couple teams are going to look significantly different. Saskatchewan, obviously, we knew that. You know, Fichardos now is uh, in Montreal. Trevor Harris signs. Jake Weineke signs. Um, and there was a lot of doom and gloom around uh, around Saskatchewan over the course of this offseason. It hasn't been smooth sailing. Huge pressure going in. Um, I know we're just one day in, but have the Riders done enough, Darren, do you think, to um, turn around their fortunes and at least be a playoff team this year in the CFL?
0: Well, we know the biggest issue in Saskatchewan was the offensive line. Signing Philip Blake, a Canadian that can effectively play all five positions on that offensive front, that's a nice thing. Uh, their general manager, Jeremy O'Day, stated, I believe it was today, um, that Dan Clark, their veteran, unbelievable, all-world-type talent offensive lineman is probably not going to be on the roster to begin the season. Um, but, you know, moving on from Cody Fajardo to Trevor Harris, bringing in Jake Weineke, bringing in Micah Johnson for a, a third go-around with the Rough Riders on the defensive side of the ball – adding Juwan Briskason, uh to the receiving core with Weineke um, to some of the guys that they already have there. Yeah, they lost Shaq Evans and Duke Williams, but I don't think those are going to be huge hits with Weineke um, you know, stepping in there and, and some of the younger guys that they have. Kieran Moore moving on as well from Saskatchewan, but they've got great running back talent in Saskatchewan. I think they're going to throw everything they can at the wall this year because it is Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day's final year of their contracts. They either are a playoff team or it is going to be a down to the studs overhaul in Saskatchewan. Did they do enough yesterday? Well, of course we won't know until maybe around Labor Day when uh, we're, we're talking uh, the classic and the Banjo Bowl, um, you know, between the the two Prairie rivals to see if, if Saskatchewan's actually got their, you know, you know what together.
1: You know, and uh, you know, obviously, I mean, we, we're talking a lot about the receiving core of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and when it became apparent Dalton Schoen wasn't getting an NFL deal, you know, I think that really allowed them to focus in on Kenny Lawler because of the value they're getting of that rookie contract for Dalton Schoen yeah. made that happen. There were some other big receivers on the market, and it seemed like Chris Jones got them to come to Northern Alberta to give Taylor Cornelius a legitimate shot to succeed as the Elks Elks QB, starting off with Geno Lewis, who uh, now, by my count, is going to be the highest paid receiver in the game. What do you think about what Edmonton's done after that miserable season? Still waiting for a home win for the first
0: time since the pandemic. Yeah, I think one of their last home games, Hustler Commonwealth, they had like a guarantee if you bought a premium ticket, to that home game late in the season, it was either a win or you get another ticket for free in the future. So I think some people are, are uh, you know, riding free season tickets right now, uh, as long as uh, you know Edmonton uh, isn't able to get Ws at home. But I expect that to change in 2023. Chris Jones has turned around a lot of franchises. It was Edmonton years ago as their defensive coordinator really turned them into a contender, winning the Great Cup. At IG Field um, in 2015, turning Saskatchewan around, making them a very dangerous team. Uh, obviously, time down south before coming back up to Edmonton to, to run things. But Geno Lewis, there's a reason he was the most outstanding player nominee from the East Division last year. In my eyes, he has been the best offensive player, non quarterback in the CFL, arguably for a long time. He is so impactful, so clutch, great signing albeit expensive at $230,000 a season with Edmonton. But you add in Stephen Dunbar Jr. from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Kieran Moore, the man they call Swerve, a really shifty, athletic, speedy guy from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Edmonton has a lot of weapons around Taylor Cornelius. The question is, how much more time does Taylor Cornelius have? How long is that leash? He has a long way to go. He is a legit dual threat quarterback, big body he can run has a cannon of an arm but if the accuracy isn't there I just don't know if if you know swerve and and um uh you know Gino and, and and Dunbar jr and then the rest that they have is going to make a difference he needs to be a lot more efficient with the football uh another quiet day of free agency for the Calgary stampeders
1: and it seems like that is not any different than you know the last few years and part of it is that calgary's been so good at creating their own players and building from within but i thought maybe they'd be a little bit busier this year and there is some questions as to you know how loose the purse strings are in calgary right now i mean what are you hearing about the stamp situation right now i mean they've been one of the most consistent franchises but did Mm -hmm. seem to take a step back last year and now of course they're um looking to reload at some point, but it does seem like they are going to lean on their scouts as much as any team in the uh, CFL.
0: Yeah, no question. And and they've been able to produce talent with that scouting staff led by John Huffnagel for a long, long time. We have to remember this past offseason, John Huffnagel passed the general manager reins onto his head coach. He'll now have dual roles in Dave Dickinson. So this is the first free agent period for Dave Dickinson. And the fact that not a lot of work has been done might be because not a lot of work needed to be done. You lose someone like uh, Flo Orlamate, uh, unbelievably talented and impactful, maybe the, the most impactful defensive lineman in the CFL last season. You lose him to Toronto. He signs a nice big ticket to join uh, the defending great cup champs. Sorry to remind everybody out there, um, but they replace it with a very good player um, and versatile one in Julian Hauser from the Hamilton Tiger cats. So I think, Yeah, like, you know, big question marks going into the season. You you lose Jameer Thurman, uh, who who may be looking uh, at the XF, or uh, sorry, he signed with Hamilton. Um, You know, you, you lose a couple other players. But, you know, there are two teams in the CFL that, I look at with almost blind trust as far as they'll probably find somebody and and produce a starter at a training camp. It's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and it's the Calgary Stampeders. Last year, tons of change in the defensive backfield. They were bringing in new starters and trying new guys there all the time. They they found some nice diamonds in the rough. I think some of those other positions, receiver and uh, the the defensive line is is uh, and linebackers is is where. Uh, the, the Calgary Stampeders are, are probably going to hope that they can find some guys in camp and, and, and produce. But, uh, you know, it's been uh, two years of a lot of change in Calgary. We'll see how they perform uh, once the games start mattering for real. It's going to be fascinating to watch.
1: You know, I had, uh, I-, I bumped in and had a real nice chat last week with Andrew Harris. And, you know, I was sort of like, so man, I'm like, what's up? What are you going to be playing? And he was pretty coy, but it was clear that, mm, you know, he still thinks that, you know, he's got something left to give. And it's obvious that the impact that he made within that uh, Argonaut organization was similar, I think, to, you know, the effect that he had when he first came here from BC with that winning mentality, three straight Gary Cup rings, and uh, he's back again for another year. I mean, just what an incredible career, what an incredible athlete. But one of the other things we did talk about was how different that team might look next year especially at the quarterback position. And by all accounts, it sounds like MBT is probably not going to be playing. I believe he's in a financial situation where it certainly isn't incumbent on him to be back, obviously finished off with the championship. And then Swag Kelly, is he the guy going forward? I mean, he's got all the talent But there have been many that have referred to him before he got to the Canadian Football League, as million-dollar talent, 10 cent head. I do wonder if he's got the um, maturity right now to be that leader of the club. And from the sounds of it, Brian Dinwiddie will give him the opportunity to earn it, but he won't be anointed the guy before he does what it takes to be the guy, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Absolutely. You know, all world talent is is bang on. Million dollar talent, however you want to put it. Chad Kelly has all of the tools uh, in a football capacity to be an impact quarterback in professional football. And you could even almost argue in the National Football League if he's able to, to bring it all together. We have to remember, these guys are young guys. You know, I made a lot of mistakes when I was in college, Hustler. I'm sure, you know, uh, You know, everybody can say that uh, in in one respect or another. So, you know, is Chad Kelly the answer? In Toronto, you know, what's up with McLeod Bethel-Thompson, some of those American uh, USFL and XFL options? I know he's a bit older, but uh, a guy that, you know, hung around in the NFL for the better part of a decade before, um, you know, uh, settling as a starter in the CFL, that, that happened for a reason. Um, you know, American scouts really like what McLeod Bethel Thompson has so is he a you know a guy that can come in and and teach and um, you know start right away for for one of those American leagues that, that's a possibility I think Chad Kelly's opportunity to turn his football life around is now he is on a championship team with a win now mentality good coaching good general manager uh, 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 management as well and you know, a very talented team around him that spent a little bit in free agency. Um, I would like to see Chad Kelly succeed. I really, really would. Will we? That could be the biggest wild card in the CFL in 2023. But, um, you know, we'll have to see if Toronto brings in uh, a lot of talent uh, and options around him. I think he's the type of guy, especially now, where... You could just hand him the reins. I think it's important to have uh, some competition in camp for him.
1: Yeah, well, listen. I mean, the guy's a gamer. We all know that. I mean, we saw unfortunately how it turned out for the Bombers, and he was a big part of that. You know, when MBT was out in the in the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup game. As far as the rest of the East, um, Montreal's fascinating. They've got the ownership issues right now, where the league sort of you know they brought back their old president to hold things down, um, but they are making moves right now and. Cody Fajardo looks like he's going to get a second lease on his CFL playing career in Montreal with the Alouettes.
0: Yeah, you know, they did a lot of work and, and kind of sneaky good work uh, the Montreal Alouettes did. Um, you know, we'll talk about Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo rejoining in a second. But I do want to mention, you know, getting a player like Jumal Roll, big, long defensive back uh to to help bolster that secondary Walter Fletcher running back of course Greg Ellingson who was leading the CFL in receiving uh through the first you know third of the season um you know I I I shared a quick message with him yesterday and uh you know wished him the best and he said man I'm gonna miss playing with Zach Kolaris but uh you know we'll see what he can do with Cody Fajardo in Montreal He is a real impact player um when healthy um but you know this is what really fascinates me, Hustler. Is that there was this dialogue going on in Saskatchewan that Cody Fajardo, the quarterback, and Jason Moss, the quarterback-minded offensive coordinator, that they had a, a you know a strange relationship. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't have any firsthand knowledge in that. What I do know is that the football marriage maybe wasn't a good fit. You could see Jason Moss, and and you know in conversations I had with. People a lot smarter than me that, that watch the games at a completely different level than the rest of us say, you know, Jason Moss, they're telling me Jason Moss is kind of shoehorning an offense in and around Cody Fajardo that maybe Fajardo's skill set wasn't a fit for. Has Jason Moss learned that lesson and now as a head coach and building a new offense with Montreal and all the pieces that they have, will it be a better fit for Cody Fajardo? I think Vajardo is a lot better quarterback than we saw last year in front of a Swiss cheese Rough Riders offensive line. I, I really have, um, you know, Montreal, you know, Ottawa too. They're two teams I think are really going to push Toronto, uh, you know, to, to reign supreme in the East. Hey, DB,
1: just before we go, we'll get back to hockey with Murata Tesh of the Athletic in just a minute. I'm bringing it back to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um Do you expect much the rest of this week Um, uh, and will just be some value signings um, to try to, you know, replace some of the depth that the team lost?
0: Well, people are already saying, like, how are the Blue Bombers affording all of these contracts? How did they afford Kenny Lawler with, with you know, bringing all these other guys back and signing big extensions with their star players? So how much work, how much money is there? How much work can they do? I don't know if it's too, too much, but I think Blue Bombers fans, I'll leave them with this. Rest assured, the roster looks rock solid top to bottom and uh, with the coaching staff back, continuity kills uh, in, in a good way. So uh, 2023 is shining bright and and looking very positive hustler. You're right. You said it earlier. They're the team to beat in the CFL
1: coast to coast, unfinished business tour starts in week one. Looking forward to it. Darren. Great to have you back on the program, man. Great work covering free agency folks. Make sure to check out all the content. Darren's got over at bonfire sports. Let's do this again soon, buddy. You got
0: it. hust. take care, man.
1: All right. Great stuff with Darren bombing. We are going to get back to some jets talk with Murata Tesh from the athletic. Uh, And as I said, We were talking a little bit about the trade deadline. We will get into that as well in a few minutes. If you are thinking about a new jersey, you might want to wait until after the third to get your jersey. But in the meantime, the best selection of Winnipeg Jets, merchandise, bomber merchandise, NHL, hopefully some Super Bowl champion shirts for the red and gold of the Kansas City Chiefs, all at Royal Sports, Winnipeg's number one sports superstar, we also got some great things. Listen, if you're thinking about spring break getting out there, the leaders in snowboards, obviously selection around, skates for the river, skates for high-end hockey players, the best selection of sticks. If it's sports, whether playing or fan gear, there's no better selection anywhere than Royal Sports. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway. And you can also check them out and follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information Over at Royal Sports Pemina. Um, Speaking of wardrobes, folks, guys, if uh, you're looking ahead to the summer or spring and realizing it might be time to up the wardrobe game, you know there's only one place for Winnipeg men for all of their needs, and that is F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. The best prices on the coolest custom suits around starting at just 400 bucks. An easy process where you go in, pick your colors, your fabrics, you get measured up, and a few weeks later, you got a great-looking suit fit to order at a great price from F Apparel. While there, check out their amazing options for all sorts of men's accessories. And guys, if you're in a wedding party this year, talk to the guys at F Apparel about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F. And for 2023 high school grads, a free custom shirt and tie with the purchase of any suit right now at F Apparel. Inquire online at fephapparel.com. Make an appointment or pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. And uh, hey, shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza as well. Popped into BP after the game last night. A lot of happy Jet fans. Great spot before and after the game at Boston Pizza City Place. And as the Jets now get back out on the road, the best place in town to gather with your friends to watch the big game on the big screen with big sound and enjoy all the great Boston pizza treats available. And hey, if you're not going out tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right. We've got uh, Murat Atesh coming up in uh, just a minute. I'm looking forward to having Murat. He's got his latest piece in the Athletic. On Winnipeg Jet trade targets, we'll get to that as well as uh, another two points in the books last night for the home teams. They had on the road. Let's welcome Marat in right now. Marat, how are you, it's my good. friend? Great to have you back on the program. Well, hold on one second, Murat. We've got to get uh, the uh, audio fixed here. Oh, okay. I'm just going to get this uh, this done up. Uh, the the latest piece, as I mentioned, uh, dropped yesterday at the Athletic different options for the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to the trade deadline uh the title is Winnipeg Jets trade targets seven Defenders for top pair or added depth uh Marat what's up can you hear me okay
3: yeah I gotcha you. you got me how are things uh,
1: things are great things are great back uh back at it got a couple days off Michael Reems did a great job holding it down still in a bit of a high from the uh from the Super Bowl but I did come back And basically went straight to the rink last night. And I'm glad I did. A pretty fun game. A great crowd for a Valentine's Day tilt. And uh, obviously what most people came to see, the Winnipeg Jets grinding out two points. And they did exactly that. What did you think of uh, the team's performance last night in the shootout win?
3: I mean, I know I'm supposed to answer that question, but what a sporting life you are leading this (laughs) year. World Cup, Super Bowl. I don't know what else you got. But like... Oh, my God. Hopefully man. a lot of whiteouts right yeah. here in Winnipeg. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was closer to that kind of atmosphere for just a couple of moments last night. I mean, that moment where Adam Lowry kicked out those two shots. Amazing. Block, like, ovation on his way to the bench. And, I mean, that was, that was special. I mean, that's the type of crowd display that we haven't really seen since the good times, I think, in Winnipeg. And it was well appreciated, um, you know, Rick bonus was just in awe of it. He was quick to praise uh, the the crowd when I asked about it, talking about how knowledgeable Winnipeg fans are and how it's more than just, you know, the big goals and the big hits and things like that. It's little important plays. And he just, you know, he felt as though it was an acknowledgement of Winnipeg's effort to, to do everything possible to win the game. And Adam Lowry was a nice symbol of that. So that was fun. Um, and you know, Seattle's a very good team with a lot of quickness and a lot of pressure. And other than that one goal in transition that the Jets gave up, Winnipeg kept a very good team in check throughout the whole night and managed to, you know, bounce a goal in and then and then win in the shootout too.
1: Yeah, what a pass by Alexiak on that uh, <laughs> on that breakout play. I, I think he actually caught the Jets a little flat footed. I'm not sure they figured that Alexiak had that club in his bag and um next thing you know was out and i mean nikolai Ehlers is caught watching a little bit you know on that play um defensively which actually will get to a topic that you've covered a little bit in this piece right now uh, but just before we move off of last night's game couldn't agree more with you the lowry the lowry kick saves on the pk and the pk overall in the first period was huge i mean when you're killing six of 20 minutes and your top players are on the ice you really do need to stay in that game they did that but it really did symbolize that uh, we know what this team, I think, has done all year long, doing whatever it takes to to win games. And there was a lot of people, not just applauding, but on their feet in the upper bowl around me. Um, and it was a great moment for the game. Got to talk about David Riddick, though. Um, man, he has had he had a terrible start. We all remember four goals in the first period. I mean, maybe the worst way a season could have possibly started. And for him now to be nine and four on the season. A 252 goals against average, a 9 11 save percentage in the entire game, in the entire season, including that ugly start. Talk about money well spent. I mean, he has really, really helped this team in a big way get to where they are in the standings right now, knocking on the door of the Dallas Stars for first place in the Central and the West.
3: I mean, imagine coming out of the season he had last year, you know, where (laughs) things were tough for him. And he was talking, first impression that we had of him in a Zoom this summer was he was talking about. Well, hey, he needs to get into more games, more consistency, all of these sorts of things that you thought he's probably not going to get in Winnipeg. He's not going to get more starts behind Connor Hellebuck than he did, um, you know, in, in Nashville. And so to go from that and the big expectations of being able to solidify Winnipeg's goaltending after the season he had to have such a difficult start and then iron things out and, and be a solid backup, which... You know, Winnipeg absolutely needed it. needed somebody you can count on. That speaks to, I mean, things going well for David Riddick, but also him handling his business. And he was talking today with us. It was another hilarious scrum from David Riddick. He was, you know, making fun of the reporter's questions a little bit. He was making fun of Adam Lowry's kick saves a little bit as well. But, you know, he also got sincere. And he said that the mental side of going from, you know, starters' duties to being a backup in the NHL was a bit of a transition for him. It, it has been a challenge for him and something he's needed to work on. He feels like he's got things under control in terms of his preparation at this stage of the game. And Rick Bonus echoed that same thing, saying, well, you know, we're well beyond the part of the point of the season where you have to wonder about David Riddick. The team has confidence in front of him, and that's all you can ask for.
1: Well, and, uh, and I mean, and last night, I think maybe even more impressive that, you know, this wasn't a planned start. Um, they had, you know, Tad Connor Hellebuck and then he came down sick in the morning skate and obviously get ready to go. You're going in and, uh, did play very, very well. Uh, we did see a swap of the top line and bonus talked about this afterwards, keeping the pairs together, Dubois and Connor, Shifley and Wheeler swapping Ehlers, swapping Perfetti. Um, and you've talked about this a little bit. Both of those players at times might not see as much ice time when protecting leads later on. Maybe touch on that for a minute, Maraudin. What is the Jets' top line right now? Um, or maybe the best formation of those players up top? Or does Rick Bonus know that the answer to that question yet, despite being 54 games in?
3: It's funny. You know, in one of my preseason bold predictions, they call it pieces. I, one of my bold predictions was that Rick Bonus would do something that fans would roast Paul Maurice for, and everybody would probably be all right with it. And I think that reestablishing that Wheeler Shifley pairing um, as a duo that you 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 have to go to—it's part of his foundation—is probably falls under that that category. Absolutely,
1: it does. If we'd had this conversation <laughs> at the start of the year, I don't think we would expect what's happening right now with this club.
3: Yeah, and credit to them. I mean, like that Blake Wheeler goal last night after Nick Ehlers wins, uh, you know, steals a puck after Winnipeg loses an offensive zone draw. I mean, that was some pretty crazy hands from Wheeler. He almost won it in overtime as well. You know, performance has been there for Blake Wheeler, and you gotta respect that. At the same time, I mean, gosh, what an what an old trope. So with Connor and Dubois as a lefty, lefty duo that you know, that bonus is not going to move away from and Wheeler Shifley as a a righty righty duo that they're not going to move away from one thing that has happened throughout the season is Connor and Dubois have often ended up with a left-handed right winger so that would be Cole Perfetti a lot of the time you know maybe Nick Ehlers every once in a while as well and in late games when Winnipeg's protecting a lead that player we'll call him Cole Perfetti because that's who it usually is gets pulled out and A right-handed player like Mason Appleton gets that job for a few minutes or Carson Kuhlman as well. Players who probably have less of an impact than Cole Perfetti but who Rick Bonus trusts to do one thing, which is to eat a hit on the boards um, during a breakout with a defenseman pinching on him and get that puck out of the zone. And that's what's happening there. It's a combination in my mind of Cole Perfetti being a rookie. So there's, in Rick Bonus's mind, if he needs to shuffle somebody – it's easier to send him to the fourth line for a moment. He's not going to you know, have the same stature of complaint as perhaps somebody higher up on the lineup. Also, he's trying to manage the expectations for the young player, which I don't know if he needs it because Perfetti's a smart defensive player. Um, but he's also trying to save a smaller player from eating that check and maybe not getting the puck out of the zone. The reason I specify is the handedness in all of this is think about a left-handed winger on the right-wing boards. If he's reaching back for a puck on his forehand, that means he's turned his back to the defenseman who's pinching down the boards at him. That could be, from Bonus's perspective, a slightly more difficult play to make. And it would also explain why Perfetti gets pushed out of those minutes for right-handers. And when Nick Ehlers was playing in that role, he also gets pushed out of those minutes when protecting a lead. I don't know if bonus needs to fine-tune things so precisely because he's doing it when the Jets are up by two goals as well in games that Profetti's playing well defensively, like Saturday against Chicago, but it's a clear preference. and so He talked about it again today, well, this time with Sakumane and Elena joining Wheeler and Shifley over the left-handed Profetti on the left side, also a lefty, but he just likes his size. He just likes his ability to eat that check. And it's a very specific contextual thing, I don't know if the Jets need that, but they're game planning for it. And, you know, if, if he's doing it now, he'll be doing it in the playoffs for sure.
1: Well, for sure. I mean, let's face it. There's a plenty of possibilities. But, I mean, one one that would be near the top of the probability charts would be a first-round matchup with the Minnesota Wild, who are a very aggressive team that will come at you, that will make you earn every space of ice, I do wonder right now, and obviously the trade deadline, I think, will be hugely impactful as to the answer to this question. But whether Cole Perfetti is a top six regular come playoff time for Rick Bonus?
3: Yeah, I think that that's a good question to be asking right now. If you look at the way that Rick Bonus manages those minutes, and you know, I just got into all of that, he manages them like he could very much use and appreciate a veteran. Top six capable, middle six, you might call them. Ideally, a right handed forward who can play with Connor and Dubois and make sure he gets that puck out. Because it's not like Kyle Connor on the other side is winning that battle and muscling that puck out any better than Nikolai Eulers or Cole Pervetti necessarily. But, you know, if Connor and Dubois is a staple, and believe me, it is when, when Rick Bonus is coaching and they've been great, um, he wants that right handed player on that side. And I think that that's a viable spot that the Jets may be shopping same for a lefty who he trusts on that, uh, up with Wheeler and Shifley. It's also possible that if Winnipeg swings and misses, then bonus is showing us exactly what he'll do. And these other players will get promoted as the, as the case may be. But I sincerely think he wants a righty and, you know, ideally a veteran, maybe even somebody who can win a faceoff or two, but also play on that right side. Um, uh, Murat,
1: as we get closer to the trade deadline, um, First of all, I mean, I know you're talking with your colleagues around the league. What do you gather the goal of Jets management and Kevin Cheveldayoff is going in? Is it to get the best player on the board? Or is it maybe to add multiple pieces of depth as well as impact in the middle of the lineup?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I might even zoom out above that a little bit and say, like, there's a there's a philosophical question I think facing the Winnipeg Jets, which is, they recognize this is a unique year for them, but how much are they willing to pay to to solidify things? You know, they're not running teams out of the building. They're second in the West, which is wonderful, um, but they're not absolutely dominant. If they want to, if they want to add one of the high-priced pieces, they're going to have to shop. Their futures, top prospects, Rucker McGrordy, Chaz Lucius, Billy Hanala, Brad Lambert. These are players that that could be asked for. And we're just at a point in Winnipeg Jets evolution where they stopped trading so many draft picks away all of the time and they are able to restock the cupboard. So philosophically, there's a sense of, you know, we recognize this is a unique year in the West. The Jets are good. They believe in Rick Bonus. They believe in the results that they've had so far but it's how much are you willing to pay to solidify that in a Western conference? that seems wide open. And then going in from there, I I really do think that, that both things are possible. I think that, I think that players as impactful as team O'Meara are calls that get made. Um, And it's just a question of whether Winnipeg could outbid the various other teams in situations like that, or Orion O'Reilly, who could be that right-handed guy I was talking about a minute ago. Um, if it's not somebody like that, though, I still think Winnipeg adds to solidify things because you can tell from the way they're coaching they could use another player like that. Um, and Chevy's been pretty good at finding players off the radar, too, that have filled roles in the past.
1: Now, just as I was bringing it on, I mentioned the piece that dropped in the Athletic yesterday with the Jets' trade targets, and it did focus on the blue line. If you had to go one or the other, is blue line the priority, do you think, for the uh, for the Winnipeg Jets as opposed to you know what they have up front?
3: I think, you know, and, and the forwards not that version... they're mutually but, exclusive. No, they're not mutually exclusive. And, you know, Winnipeg has done both in the past. Uh, uh, absolutely, they have. Whether it's Paul Stastny and Joe Morrow back in, in 2018 or in 2020, Cody Eakin and Dylan DeMello, um, which not the same level of impact, especially in Eakin's case. But there you go, right? Like, they're willing to do that when they believe that there's use to it. Um, so, I... So, yeah, I've got the forwards piece up as well. And I think that that's what makes mo- more sense because bonus outright hides Perfetti down the stretch of games in certain situations. There's no defenseman getting similar treatment. There's a clear top four in, you know, Morrissey, Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, Dylan DeMello, Nate Schmidt, and then usually it's it's Dylan Sandberg are the clear third pairing. And their minutes aren't as hard as the top four. That's a real thing. That's slightly sheltered. But nobody's getting a hit in. And even amongst defensemen that Winnipeg has protected from tough matchups over the years, there's some very specific stretches of play where they've really tried hard to protect Logan Stanley in his rookie season, Tucker Pullman back in 2017-18. If you get into the nitty-gritty, you can look at all of the ways that they dodge matchups. They're not doing that as much with with Sandberg and Schmidt. And Sandberg is having excellent results in, in terms of his defending. He's contributing to the PK as well. I don't think that that's a spot you need to add unless it's veteran depth that you just want as insurance, call him Luke Shen, Joel Edmondson, or somebody who's going to dramatically change the window for Winnipeg, and that's Jacob Chikrin. I don't think that that's what's happening for the Jets. I think that Chikrin will end up as a Los Angeles king, but that's the type of thing. It's got to be somebody who helps well beyond this year or maybe tinkering, whereas I think forwards there, there's more room for, for greater impact.
1: Hey, just before we go through some of these options in the piece, um, Chikrin's been held out. Gavrikov's been held out. What do you make of that? I mean, is this is this the general managers with really nothing to lose, holding a player out, trying to, if nothing else, get the perceived imminence of a trade that may or may not be there for them to jack up the price and try and get a deal done sooner as opposed to later?
3: Yeah, that's an interesting one, right? I mean, traditionally, you think, okay, they're being pulled out. This does mean something is imminent. But then you add a couple of wrinkles. Like, think about Arizona, who would love a top pick, who essentially has the tank on, or else why would they move Chicken at all, right? They're looking at their future. Um, you know, maybe you pull your star defenseman out of the, you know, a couple of extra games and the, the tank battle for last place. Your odds get ever so slightly better. I don't think it's as complicated as that. I think that probably they think that there's something pretty close there. Maybe there is posturing and, you know, I'm, I'm just making it too simple in my mind. But I genuinely think that moves like this happen because we've seen, you know, Tarasenko move. We've seen um, we've seen transactions already and, and maybe maybe more of the, the noise happens, I think, you know, a couple of weeks out than, than on deadline day. Well,
1: and whoever was watching uh, Remo hold it down yesterday and talk with Dave Poole, and Pooley did say he thinks that the chicken deal is done, but they are waiting for the team that's acquiring chicken to have enough cap space to make the deal right now. And, you know, that is one thing that the Jets don't have to deal with right now because of the way they've handled the cap and are in a pretty nice situation that a lot of other teams aren't with the ability to add players, Um, which gets us to the wish list. We've talked about Chickering, and I mean, he would be a great, great add for the Winnipeg Jets. You mentioned how that would change the window somewhat with the two years left on his deal. But moving on from him, Eric Carlson, I think to many people seems like somewhat of a pipe dream, although my pals in Edmonton have been spending a lot of oxygen talking about what Carlson would look like in that lineup and what it would take to get him there. Um, He's having a monster season. I mean, he's one of the great comeback stories after a couple disappointing years in San Jose, like whether we're talking about the jets or not um, with the way Carlson is playing right now, numbers aside, huge cap hit. You got to figure all that out. But, How big of an addition would he be to a team like Winnipeg or Edmonton or whoever could get Carlson in if they can make the numbers work?
3: I mean, massive. Absolutely massive. I, I think he's the sort of player that a team acquires that wants to win right now and does not care about the years left on his deal, the fact he's 32 turning 33. It's just respect for a player having you know, a Norris-worthy season. Maybe Adam Fox is the front-runner. Maybe Josh Morrissey is seen as a better defender as well. But he's having an incredible season. And if you imagine him on the Edmonton Oilers' blue line firing those beautiful stretch passes to O'Connor McDavid or, or joining rushes, leading rushes with the transition offense that some of Edmonton stars have, you know, Edmonton's a team, especially also adding Evander Kane last year, that sort of, is willing to do whatever it takes and worry about the consequences later, I think. That's, I think that there's a reasonable fit there. But at the same time, let's think about Winnipeg for a second. And let's think about Winnipeg having the cap space that you just talked about, doesn't need San Jose to eat nearly as much, um, which might mean that he's a cheaper acquisition for the Jets than for other teams. Um, and there's a clear spot, I think, with, with Josh Morrissey and let's call him Dylan DeMello being able to hold that top pair down, Morrissey having just a tremendous season, DeMello being the safe partner who makes the consistent outlet passes and all that we talk about. I talk about him a lot anyway. But on that second pairing where Brendan Dillon is an absolute fixture, imagine the right-handed Eric Carlson as an upgrade to Neil Pionk, who takes most of those minutes. Um, Pionk having, you know, kind of a down year, and there's questions about what level he'll be able to return to. It's been a little while since he's been excellent. And um, Eric Carlson – is being is a phenomenal defenseman every single night. If you have a top four where there's a member of each pairing who can absolutely take over the game, that is a game-changer for the Winnipeg Jets. And I know the consequences would be dire years from now, whatever, getting out of that deal when you need to. But it's just fun on paper to daydream about right now, for sure.
1: No, absolutely, and that's why we wanted to talk about it. And, uh, hey, until a deal is done or we get to the third and uh, the deadline passes... You know, it's fun to kick around possibilities like that. Most people would agree it's probably more likely the Jets add to the blue line on some of the names, maybe a little further down the list. Um, thoughts on the fit and where these players are at right now. Joel Edmondson, who's got a pretty nice pedigree, and, and Luke Shen, a guy that, I'll be honest, if you told me at the start of this year, we'd be talking about Shen being a, a guy that a number of teams were ask, or interested in, I probably would have laughed it off, but... He quietly is having a pretty decent season and, of course, comes with that Cup pedigree after runs with Tampa as well. What do you think about those two players? Does one make more sense? And would one cost significantly more than the other?
3: I think each of them fit the bill of what a contending team might look at, and, and Winnipeg would be no exception to that. Veterans, experience, Stanley Cups. You know, that's a valued item. And that's not something that Winnipeg can really boast a lot of in in terms of experienced players with Stanley Cup pedigree. Um, You know, Joel Edmondson has a a few teams on his no-trade clause. Of course, he's also from Brandon and was so proud of that that he brought the Cup back to the Keystone Centre when he won it with St. Louis. Um, So maybe Winnipeg's an okay spot for him. Not sure. Luke Shen as well. I mean, I'm with you. I didn't think he was going to be in this kind of conversation. But he can play both sides, Shen can. And, you know, Winnipeg, um, I think, could use that skill set a little bit. You like the physicality too. You don't get a lot of that duplicated throughout the rest of Winnipeg's roster. And maybe the fact that Shen's having a strong season right here and now makes him more palatable than Joel Edmondson, who's, you know, best work, at least metrics-wise, is a couple years old already. Um, And it's tough to suss out, in Montreal, who is to who gets credit and who gets blame and who's playing at what level on that blue line. Maybe Shen is Shen, I think is is the one that I kind of land on as being a bit of a fit for Winnipeg. Um Murat, one other name that um listen that kind of
1: caught me by surprise, but the more you think about it, what the cost would be our old pal Cooley, Dmitry Kulikov. And you know, you made a great point. I mean 2019-2020 was really a strong strong season for neil pionk he spent the majority of that year riding along with Dmitry Kulikov. um thoughts on that fit i don't think the cost would be huge that's for sure uh and what a guy like that might bring and would he would he even be a player if he was acquired by the jets
3: yeah it's it's so funny i mean You know, most of my memories of Kulikov are are thinking, oh, my goodness, what an expensive third-pairing defenseman to partner with Tyler Myers. And, you know, that whole third pair was so expensive. But for a third pair, they were good and they got the job done. And even when Kulikov was, you know, fleeing the zone to land huge hits and then all of a sudden there's a rush against, you know, they had positive contributions to that team. So I didn't expect that with Neil Pionk in 2019-20 that that could be a top-four solid... You know, play against a tough competition type of pairing, but it was. Kulikov adapted his game. You know, he chased hits less often. Neil Pionk was probably the most mobile, aggressive defender of the Winnipeg Jets blue line that season than he was, than he's been since then. And, and that was such a tremendous year for Pionk. And you wonder if there's chemistry there that could be had. I don't think, let's say Neil Pionk is, a, you know, a second pairing Jets defenseman, I don't think you're going to supplant. Brendan Dillon with Kulakov out of a search for chemistry just to make that work. Maybe Kulakov, if the jets were interested in, and acquired him cheaply, he does have no move or no trade a few teams on that list as well. Um, he could be the sort of person that could be a third pairing or press box. And, and I think that that might be an aisle that the jets enjoy right now. Somebody who's not going to necessarily automatically mess with the chemistry that exists in Winnipeg's blue line, but somebody that they can plug in when needed because no team wants to be the 2006 Buffalo Sabres. I don't know if this is like a deep poll or if people remember that, but that team was in control of the Carolina Hurricanes Eastern Conference Final Series before our Winnipeg's old friend, Teppo Newman and Henrik Tallender. It goes Kalinin. There, I think they lost something like five or six defensemen over the course of a week, then lost the series. Carolina wins the Cup. That's a, that's a story that gets passed around a lot, and I don't think that... You know, any team, especially Winnipeg, would want to repeat that kind of problem.
1: Well, and it's funny you say that. I mean, going back to my Moose days, I'd always talk with Craig Heisinger about team building and whatnot. He'd say, listen, if you want to make a run, and this was just talking about the Calder Cup, you need 10 defensemen. Well, that number is now a dozen, according to those guys in the National Hockey League. And the example that you just laid out is a perfect reminder of why guys might not be in the lineup on one night. They could be playing huge and important minutes later on in a seven-game series. Marat, moving over to your piece on the forwards, which uh, came out on the weekend, we spent a lot of time talking to Timo Meyer. We know that he's the apple of uh, not just Winnipeg fans, but many fan bases' eyes right now. The next couple guys on your list, you mentioned Ryan O'Reilly and Jonathan Taves. And I guess before we get to O'Reilly, Taves in some ways is a bit of a polarizing figure when it comes to these, uh, these conversations. There's some people that will look at, you know, his incredible pedigree, what he's done, his versatility, what he can do in the face off circle and say, how could you not be in on a guy like this? And then others, including Jeff Merrick on 32 thoughts, suggesting that, you know, it's the heart says yes, but when you actually see where he is right now, how well does he fit in? Um, and, you know, we often look at metrics and numbers. I don't know if anyone on the Chicago Blackhawks can be expected on having good numbers for anything with how weak that team is right now. Where are you on Taves and the player that he is right now and
3: what the Winnipeg Jets would get if they acquired him in 2023? Yeah, I mean, that's a it's, it's a great question. I spent some time on it in the piece because I think that Jonathan Taves elicits a lot of hot takes right now. and Big time. To just, Zoom in and and just try to figure out what kind of a player he is. I agree with you. Nobody on the Chicago Blackhawks is likely to have great metrics right now. And, you know, if you look at Evolving Wild or Hockey Viz, Tave shows up as not a good player from a possession standpoint. It's when you zoom out and look at the last two, three seasons and see that he hasn't had a tremendously positive impact during those seasons either, that you begin to sort of check your expectations a little bit. And I know that he has the pedigree. I also know that he's had some health concerns over the last couple of years, and I don't necessarily think it's related, but he's missed the last several games now as well. That Whereas health concerns may have eaten into some of his impact there as well. I tend to believe that a veteran with the pedigree that Taves has uh, is the sort that can find the best version of himself down the stretch run in the playoffs and all those sorts of things. But the best version of himself right now is not a con Smythe winner, number one center, et cetera, et cetera, is probably somebody who can play on the second or third line. And you know, we talked about winning those battles and getting those pucks out of the draw out of the zone and all that stuff earlier. Well, if you're Shifley and Wheeler and you need a lefty you can trust, and it's not going to be Adam Lowry because he just took an important face off, then maybe Jonathan Taves can bump up from whatever third or line or second line role he's playing and play wing up there. He can take the draw move Shifley to wing. Um, play second power play. He'd be more of a utility player with experience and pedigree to my, to my way of thinking than a star. And if people manage their expectations to that degree, forget about his price tag as a cap hit and all of that. I could still see him helping the Winnipeg Jets. You know,
1: one more for you before we go um, Ryan O'Reilly and we know what O'Reilly's done. He's done it more recently than Jonathan Taves. He's also has not produced very much this year. And when you look at the green jacket leaders, he's had one of the worst plus minuses in the league which does not seem to compute with o'reilly where is he at right now
3: i mean yeah he uh, what a what a surprising enormous minus number and you know he's not dominating the flow of play for st louis which is astonishing cuz he's close to a perfect 200 foot player when he's on his game and he's not that far from being on his game last season, two seasons ago, whereas you have to look a little bit further for Taves to have that kind of impact. So I actually prefer O'Reilly because he's done it more recently. Um, I think he's I think he struggled in St. Louis this year. I also think that he's available. I think there's perfect symmetry with the Paul Stastny acquisition once upon a time as well. I actually like that acquisition a little bit. Um the possibility of that acquisition for Winnipeg, because I believe the playoff version of Ryan O'Reilly would find his game. And if you're looking at that minus number, one little just tidbit on the way out, I think St. Louis goalies have something like an 8.50 save percentage with Ryan O'Reilly on the ice of 5-on-5 this year. That will normalize, you know, he might have given up a few too many chances, but that goal number, that's just one of those crazy things that happens as opposed to his level of play.
1: Marat really enjoyed both pieces in the Athletic. Folks, get over and read them if you haven't already, and uh, make sure you're subscribing to all the great work over there. Thanks very much. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. about a big road trip for the Winnipeg Jets, and see if they can keep this uh, winning streak going. Right on, us. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Dub at WPG Marat. That's Marat Atesh of the athletic-, athletic with us on WST. We are going to talk a little curling coming up. Looking forward to having Reed Carruthers join us before the briar, but uh, figured we'd get Manitoba champion Matt Dunstone on coming up. We are going to be talking more curling over the course of the next month because the Scotty starts on Friday, briar in early March, and uh, a whole bunch of Manitoba talent going for national championships on both sides. Of course, all of our curling reports. On Winnipeg Sports Talk, are brought to you by Princess Auto, a huge supporter of the game, both here in Manitoba and across the country. And of course, you know that Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, Culligan Water has been taking care of Manitobans water needs for over 65 years in business as family owned and the go to people for all things water in our area. They really do have it all water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see the experts at Culligan 1200 Sergeant Avenue 694-5180 and online at drinkculligan.com. And just before we bring in Matt Dunstone, um, a big shout-out to our friends over at Canadian Club, Canada's favourite Canadian whiskey. I have a feeling the uh, the fellas may have tilted one after a big win in the Manitoba Championship. And, folks, when uh, you're thinking whiskey. Think of Canada's best, the legendary Canadian club. Pick it up at your local Manitoba liquor marts. And don't forget, next time you're in a beer store, you can also grab in cans, pre-mix Canadian club and ginger ale. All right, let's get to a little curling talk. Scotty's starting on the weekend. Briar coming up after that. And there is a new team on top of Manitoba curling, the top dogs led by Skip Matt Dunstone, who joins me right now. Matty D, congratulations on uh, coming back to Manitoba and getting it done uh, on the weekend. How are you? Oh, you know, hold on a sec. Re, uh, we just got to get the uh, the audio. I'm not hearing you. Uh, hearing you, okay? Rima, Re, is that is that on our side?
4: Uh, okay, perfect. Yes,
1: yeah, perfect. We got you. Hey, congrats and welcome to the program. How are you doing?
4: Yeah, good. Feels great. Uh, you know, we're still resting and recovering from the little celebration we had uh, Sunday evening, but, uh, you know, it feels pretty damn good.
1: You know, uh, you know, we spoke at the start of the year, and I mean, it was really one of the big stories in curling. I mean, there was a lot of player movement, a lot of different teams that were being put together, and um, maybe the most exciting one in the country was the one that you put together coming back and representing your home province of Manitoba. Um, you know, you've got incredible experience with B.J. Newfeld, Ryan Harden. We know that he's been in uh, so many big games over the years. And Colton Lots turned into one of the best young players in the game, a guy you've got a huge, huge history with. Um, but, man, did you think it could all come together this quickly as well as it has this season for
4: Team Dunstone? Uh, you know, maybe not as quickly and as kind of consistently as it has. Uh, you know, I thought always thought the ceiling with this squad was quite high when we put the team together. Like you said, I mean, everybody's resume speak for themselves, and Colty Lots becoming one of the best young players in the game. Um, if he's not considered that already, he should be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been it's been a pretty good season to this point. Top it off with the Manitoba championship, and and you know, would love nothing more than to uh, raise the Briar Tanker in a couple weeks. Now. Before we get to winning Manitoba and what's to come,
1: um, you guys have had a hell of a season on the uh, on the tour. I mean, for folks that maybe kind of pay more attention to curling when the Manitoba Championships happen and we get into the briar, fill us in on uh, just the successes you guys have had pretty much right out of the gate as uh, one of the top teams in the country.
4: Yeah, right from the get-go. I mean, we went semi-final, final, uh, kind of in our first month. And, you know, we just carried that momentum from there. I mean, we've we've been able to, to hold on to that number one spot in Canada for most of the season now. And, and, uh, you know, have set us up quite well to kind of be a staple within the top five in the world. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a great, great start for sure. Um, I mean, it took us a little while to, to win our first championship. Um, had to lose a, lose a slam final first in, in October there, I guess it was before we finally picked up our first one in November, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been really consistent, it's Been nice to pick up a couple championships along the way. And we just continue to get better every, every single time we get out there.
1: Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the fellows on the team. I mean, uh, BJ, we know, I uh, mean, the level of player that he has been with over the last decade plus, um, how does he fit in as third on your squad and the connection that, you know, those two positions, yours is the skip and the third have so important, um, you know, at the
4: level you guys are playing at. Yeah, you know, just the the leadership role that he plays, you know, on this rink and, you know, he being an older guy and and compared to me, I mean, no moment's too big for him. And he can kind of reel me in a little bit when – I'm getting excited out there, maybe trying to take on a little bit more difficult shot for four or that's five. That's never something. happened before, has it, Matt? Oh, no, exactly right, where, where BJ is able to kind of reel me in a little bit. Then, you know, maybe here, here's a good spot to take one or two. And, um, you know, to be able to sort of have that setup that we do where we got a young guy on the front end, young guy on the back end, and, and an older guy in the front, end, older guy on the back end, that's something that's worked out really well. Um, and and me and Colton, I know we rely heavily on those two for, for those bigger moments to to kind of reel us in a little bit. Well, it's interesting you put that out. It was sort of the way
1: I was going to ask the question. I mean, you had that connection with BJ on the back, and tell us about the connection between Ryan and Colton up front and um, just how important their performances have been in uh, the incredible year that Team Dunstone's had up until this point.
4: Yeah, awesome. I mean, everybody's kind of in their normal position except for Colton. I mean, Colton's been a lifelong third or even a skip last year, so this was a brand new position for him, and, and he's done nothing but just blossom into one of the best seconds in the world um, right from the get go. I mean, the, we knew the shot making was going to be there. Um, that's obvious with him, but just the the sweeping and, and the weight judging and, and what the work he's had to put in on that side of things. Um, again, brand new territory for him, and and he's been phenomenal. Um, him and Ryan are, are so good at communicating with one another, and and, you know, the, the way they navigate a rock down the sheet is better than anybody else. And, uh, you know, that they, they, both of them have played enormous roles in our success. Uh, so let's take us back to uh,
1: back to Nipo on the run you guys had. I mean, now, first of all, how cool was it for you just being back in the Manitoba Championships again? We had lots of funny comments saying, once again, Saskatchewan needs Manitobans to, you know, be competitive. But you're back from Saskatchewan playing with great Manitoban players and, you uh, one for one now is the uh, is the guys that were left standing at the end of a great tournament in Epoa.
4: Yeah, it felt great. I mean, just to be back there, seeing familiar faces, obviously people who were working for Crow Manitoba, um, being able to see a lot of family and and close friends that I hadn't seen for a while out in Epoa cheering us on. Um, I mean, that's that's sort of the stuff that I've been missing quite a bit uh, with my five years that I had over in Saskatchewan. So, you know, it was great to great to even compete against a lot of familiar faces, people that you would have played against in juniors and early in my men's career too. So, um, you know, felt very comfortable early on. Um, great to see everybody. And, and you know, to come back and pick up a championship in our first ever year together mean, means a lot. Um, I know Bolton specifically has had a lot of heartbreak in this event. And, and obviously BJ had too kind of before they started winning um, at a rapid pace. So uh, I mean, that's it's an event that meant a lot to us. i I think you could see that sort of how we celebrated after the win, um even though we knew we were going to the Briar, um, regardless of what happened in that game, you could see how much it meant to us.
1: well, it, it, exactly. And I mean, uh, obviously it was against Reed Carruthers, who's also a great friend of the program and one of the top teams, and they've had, their own issues with, uh, you know, looking a little different from where things are out on the world tour, as opposed to how they were in Manitoba. But uh, no doubt two heavyweight teams like that was going to be a hell of a final. And
4: that's exactly what it is. But you guys had
1: to, had to work the full 10 to uh, pull that
4: one out. Yeah. We in an eight end game that, that one wouldn't have worked out in our favor. So luckily we had the 10 to work with. And I mean, it's, we kind of joked right from September with Reed's team that, you know, likely that that was going to be the final. And and sure enough, here we are. I think that was our seventh or eighth matchup against them this year. Um, and we have already played them in two finals prior to that. So, I mean, that it wasn't was uncharted territory by any stretch of the matter. And, and, you know, I think it's a great thing for the province of Manitoba to have two of the top level teams in the world kind of duking it out, pushing each other, um, being able to play and that sort of event and that sort of setting before the briar and the world championships, I think is something that is, is hugely important to have within your province. And it's, it's things that are going to make both our teams better for the years to come. Matt Dunstone,
1: Manitoba champ is with us. I'm sure that sounds good to be introduced that way. Uh, Just for people that, I mean, you're still out West as, as your, as your home base right now, you've got guys here, Harden's at West. How have things worked? I mean, when you guys aren't playing in events, um, how much time do you guys get to practice together? And maybe because of that, what are this couple of weeks going to look like heading into uh, this massive event for you guys representing
4: the Buffalo at the Briar? Yeah, we're like you said, we're scattered a little bit everywhere. Ryan's obviously Sue St. Marie, our coach Adam in Ottawa, and I'm here in Kamloops. I mean, a lot of what our season has been is, is getting together, whether it be in Winnipeg or um, wherever the event is. We, we usually get there a handful of days early. Um, before the Provincials, I was in Winnipeg for over a week. Um, practicing with the guys Um, and the, and the Briar is going to be very similar to that. I mean, it's, it's a long, lot of days away from home, Um, but you know, it's, it's winning those championships, be putting yourselves in those moments that sort of make it all worth it. And um, so our plan right now is to head over to London. I believe we're going to leave Monday morning um, kind of first thing uh, Briar starts on Friday. So we'll have three or four days there to uh, practice up together and, and get ready to rock once again. You've been uh, you've been there before, but um,
1: never with this team, and um, now, of course, representing Manitoba. Been a long, you know. I mean, you're still such a young guy, but have been playing at such a high level for so long. I imagine, even with all the experiences you've had before, this is going to be really special.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you play in all those Briars prior to, and and you see the Manitoba jacket over there on the other sheet, and that's always a little bit weird. And you no, know, I think it's quite fitting that uh, our very first game at the Briar this year is against Saskatchewan. Um, and one of my old teammates, Dustin Kidby, is on the team as well um, as the alternate. So that's, that's going to be pretty cool, um, that very first game there. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, it, Saskatchewan was a phenomenal province to me over the last five years, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, home is home, and, and to be able to put on that Buffalo for the very first time, and, and you know, I, that's, that's something that's invaluable, and, you know, just re- really looking forward to that moment.
1: Yeah, you won't be as welcomed at the Labor Day
4: Classic next year, uh, maybe between the Bombers
1: and But yeah. uh, Hey, that was always the way it was anyways. As uh, We knew you were a Manitoba guy at home. Matt Dunstone is with us. Breyer coming up on the 3rd of March. And, I mean, obviously, you know, I think most people that follow curling know, but you kind of alluded to this, that you knew you were going to be going as one of the top teams in the country. Um but man, with that extra opportunity and those extra teams, it makes this field even more competitive. And I'm not sure the quality of curling has ever been better than it is right now from coast to coast in Canada as represented in that Briar field.
4: I think over like even the last three or four years, the the comment has always been, well, this is the best Briar field yet. And you know, that's sort of what this expansion has done is it's allowed some of the top Canadian teams that are playing in difficult provinces that um, you know, have a difficult time in the provincial championship, whether it be playing That's against Austin awesome. Reed or or Cooey and Botcher, and, and some of those provinces that you know have a bunch of heavyweights in there. I, I think it's phenomenal for the sport. Uh, you, you get a lot of young, new, fresh faces in there. Karsten Sturmay would be one of the new wildcard teams that you know has been a great team on tour for years now, and, and they're finally getting their first crack at it. So I think the changes that have been made um, to allow some of these top teams uh, that that have a difficult time at provincials. Um, for obvious reasons. I think it's nothing but good for the sport. and And, like you said, the field, I mean, it's it's so deep, right? I mean, you got not only top teams in Canada, but but the world. Um, so the the event is world class. And if, if you don't bring your a game, then then you stand no chance. And I mean, that's the, that's the way it should be at a national championship. You know, I'm going to be doing a
1: lock shop tomorrow with Dustin Nielsen. and, uh... The odds are already out. We'll be uh, making some picks for the Scotties. How, how close do you and the fellas pay attention to the women's side of things? Will that be uh, are you spending a lot of time on TSN watching what's happening at the uh, Scotties over the next week?
4: Well, especially this time around, I'm not going to have much of a choice. Uh, I'm in my office right now, and it's actually right beside the Sandman Center where the Scotties is being played. So I'm going to be I'm going to be frequenting there uh, quite often uh, over the next ten days. So, um, you know, I, I love putting myself in that sort of atmosphere, especially getting to do that before playing in a very similar one, right? Just to, to kind of get a feel for it all and, and see how it all goes again, because obviously the, these opportunities come once a year if you're lucky. And, um, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm very excited to, to be out there watching, um, seeing how it all plays out. And, I mean, uh, we, we got a chance to witness some history here if Kerry can go and win her fourth in a row.
1: Well, and uh, listen, it's going to be a real fun month for uh, Canadian curling fans, but especially ones right here in Manitoba. You got Carrie, the legend herself, Jen Jones, and uh, obviously wouldn't be, uh, would not be opposed to seeing a rematch of that Manitoba final in a big game on the weekend at the Briar with yourself and, of course, the uh, the Carruthers team. Matt, congratulations again. I know we'll be speaking with you again soon. Uh, good luck at the Briar, and uh, enjoy the Scotties next week.
4: You bet. Yeah. Looking forward to getting a little bit of rest here, recovering from the celebration on the weekend and looking forward to taking in some great, uh, some great curling and cheering on our four Manitoba teams in the Scotties. Four Manitoba teams. just amazing. Um, I'll tell you
1: what, there's going to be a lot of talk about Manitoba curling and uh, you're at the top of the mountain right now. Congratulations again. Look forward to catching up and uh, good luck representing the, uh, the new return province coming up at the briar. Thanks so much, dude. I love it. Thanks, Andrew. Good stuff. There's Matt Dunstone. You can follow him on Twitter at Team right. Dunstone for the latest on your Manitoba champs. All right. Uh, got to get Remo back in here. There's a few things that we definitely need to touch on. But before we do that, Matt was just mentioning the big celebration in Nipah after they won the, uh, won the, won the, uh, the, the uh, trip to the Briar, well, the opportunity to represent Manitoba. Um, listen, a lot of those celebrations might involve beers. And when you're in Manitoba celebrating a Manitoba title, I would imagine that some of Manitoba's favorite beer, Little Brown Jug, was involved. Of course, you can get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at the brewery and tap room down on William Avenue. You can also grab it at fine beer stores. Make sure to check out that new Good Times Variety Pack. And heck, when you're out on the town, maybe grabbing a pint, Check out if they've got 1919 available at fine bars and restaurants throughout the city. Do not forget, you can also order Little Brown Jug for delivery online at littlebrownjug.ca and save the date March 29th. The next edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk, Sports Trivia at Little Brown Jug. We'll have ticket information in a week or two for you folks here on WST. And hey, Big shout out to our guy, Nick and uh, Nick and Nicky over at the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Four locations in Winnipeg and Manitoba to serve you, including the very busy DQ down in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Ads, all those great Blizzard treats, ice cream treats amazing stack burgers and more and don't forget if you do need a dq ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba if you want to get something custom made and be ready for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of your four nick and nicky dqs all right let's get remo back in here reem what is going on i'm enjoying sorry I was just going to say, great chat with Matt. He's such a nice guy. We've had him on the program before. and uh, so This is going to be fun to uh, follow the curling, which gets going Friday night with the uh, first round of the Scotties. And, uh, Matt, four Manitoba teams for the women, some great Manitoba representation on the men's side, including our pal Reed Carruthers. It's uh, going to be fun cur- watching curling now and perfect timing. NFL ends. We've got curling to get going right through the trade deadline and then the push to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I agree. Perfect timing. Some big curling and big teams from Manitoba. And I said they have these wild cards, and I always thought it was kind of unfair. Like if you played in a, like hockey, if you play in a stacked division, kind of gets screwed in the playoffs. If you play in a stacked province, you you may not get in. Reed Carruthers, he's ranked pretty high. You know, you lose one game, but thankfully they have the wild card, so his team can get in too. I was actually thinking about this recently. You know, you, you just think the Scotties like tournament of hearts. Like I thought it was like Lord Scotty or something. It's named after. It's actually like the the toilet paper, right? The paper yeah, towels. Paper towels. Yeah, yeah. It might, even I like the Scotties now even more. I totally. You know, you, you I haven't watched in a while. They have the paper towels on the on the ice now, not oh, digitally. Yeah. They're actually. I think they're actually there. <laughs>
1: not digitally, yes. But
2: but um, they have the, they have it painted on. But I, I forgot it was named after uh, paper towel. The tournament. Great yeah, paper Scott towel.
1: towels, longtime supporter of, uh, of the Scotties. Great paper towels. Briar. The I Briar was messes. the Labatt Briar forever. And now I believe it's still the Tim Hortons Tim Briar, although yeah. that maybe could have, uh, that maybe changed, but uh, a lot of fun having Matt on. We'll look forward to get Reed and uh, hopefully Jen and, uh, um, Jen Jones as well. Of course, um, Jen will get going out there West where, uh, Maddie Dunstone is right now in Kelowna for the uh, big event coming up uh, starting on on uh, Friday. Um, all right, listen, a couple things that we should get to, and we'll, we'll save the football for last. Um, I cannot help but notice, Remus, between <laughs> just one picture of Andrew Ladd putting out Dustin Bufflin, and I joked, joked, that give the guy a week on the third pairing and he'll be good for 20-plus minutes a night. This conversation about Buff has not stopped since the second that Andrew Ladd dropped that picture in his Instagram
2: story. Uh, No, it has not. And I'm going to blow up the picture. Andrew Ladd somehow got this guy on skates again. And we keep talking like the Jets need a big, strong defenseman. A right shot, Huss. Um, You know, you could bring him in low salary. I don't know what kind of salary he'd want. Like, what if Dustin Bufflin has been secretly training to be the Jets' trade deadline acquisition? Someone – I don't know if this actually happened, but apparently – I don't know if this is true. I This is – someone wrote in chat, so it could be made up, but that Darren Dreger wrote about the Jets playing Bufflin to a PTO. Like, I I believe the chances of Bufflin actually playing are zero, but I I talked about this with Mike yesterday. Like, the – just – it's, it's a fun conversation ovation.
1: because of Buff. I mean, the because ovation. it's Buff.
2: Well, the picture got more engagement than like any other picture we've ever thrown up. So the people are definitely interested. Although we did have one YouTube commenter say that he doesn't like Buff because he, what, he walked out on the franchise, which.
1: Oh, there's uh, plenty of people that were in my
2: mentions I, uh, yeah, after that. But I just, the ovation that he would get if he came back. And there's people now in the chat all day. It's like, well, could he be better than whoever they have on third pair D like, could you put buff on there? Could you have his booming shot on the, you know, get, get it on the, he probably plate? hasn't
1: put skates on before that since 2019. <laughs> Who cares? I, I'll, I'll say one thing about this picture. I was shocked at how good he looked. I mean, I, I, listen, we all know the way buff rolls and what he's into. I, I thought that four years removed from his last game in the national hockey league, that Buff would be 350. I mean, they look like Keith Kachuk, if you've seen Kachuk at uh, either a Brady or Matthew game lately. Was he
2: double fisting at the
1: All-Star game? Entire time, he had two large Bud Lights in his hand. He was enjoying himself the entire time. But Buff actually, in that picture, looks looks really good. I mean, he's always, and he always will be a huge man, but... um, I got to give him credit. I mean, I listen, not that I entertain this for more than a second when people were yeah. talking about it, but it was a longer second because he actually looks like he's in half decent shape right now for a guy that's been retired as long as he has.
2: Yeah. So someone said I'm feeding the beast. It's just so much fun to talk about. Like what the, just think about the ovation he would get. Like what if he did come back? And like you think he, people say he's 37 years old and I'm like, "Well, he hasn't played the last couple of years, so he's got more. He's got doesn't have that wear and tear us because he he's been sitting out, so he's really like you know like thirty five, right? So um, it's just I don't like I, chances are are zero. But he, you know the team has been missing like what he brings. I think any team would be missing what he could
1: bring. But um oh, the league's been missing him. I mean, it's just he's but guys, he's thirty seven years old. He hasn't played since twenty nineteen. For those of you that think that's going to be the uh, look, listen, I'd be here for it, but. Uh, I think it's a fool's game. Even trying to entertain that with oh. a straight face right now, as much it was great for social media engagement, the chances
2: are zero. But it's so much fun to speculate, and I don't think that. I think that. I don't think that Darren Dreger thing is true. Someone just wrote that in chat. There's, there's no way yeah. that that's true. It's, but it is again. It's fun. But I also said Huss, Like, what if he did come back, and it was like. The Undertaker wrestling Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. I, I feel like it could be like that. We're like, uh, maybe these guys should have hung it up a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. As far as Buff, though, and I know you guys touched on this yesterday. At some point, Buff will be back here in Winnipeg. Uh, I think fans, and I think most fans, whatever, have moved on. I mean, it, it really did suck the way it ended. And it was bizarre um for that to be the way that you know he finished playing in this national hockey league career walking away from the money that he did um but he's always been a guy that does things his own way marches to the beat of his own drummer um and i think that as much as you know in a percentage of the fan base there's still some ill will about what that did to the team that year um i think that would be a gone in a heartbeat if uh, it was announced that buff would be coming back and I'm not sure whether I would imagine. Does Buff go into the the Ring of Honor at some point, or the uh, Jets Hall of Fame uh, at some point? Uh, it might take a little bit more time, and I think that would happen even no matter what. If it did happen, it would be down the road. But man, if you're talking about Hall of Fame, I mean Blake Wheeler guaranteed going in there. Dustin Buff went pretty darn close, considering you know the time that he spent here with this uh, with this team.
2: I think that the, you know, who uh, Mike said yesterday when our conversation, just the relationship between him and the organization put as it's complicated. Like, you know, when you put your relationship status on 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 Facebook.
1: Facebook.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I think it's going to take a while because I think it's still pretty fresh. Like if the Jets were, you know, there were a couple of years, like his contract would have already expired. But, I mean, those two years that he walked away, they really, um, really missed him. And you think about, you know, A championship window it did hurt
1: well it was the timing of everything too i mean listen if uh you know if he finishes up um you know at the end of 2019 and says listen it's been a great career but i'm done the team probably handles things differently and it's still it does make me sick that the last game that he played as a winnipeg jet was that basic no-show by the team in St. Louis in Game 6 after the infamous Game 5 loss here uh, here in the... And the fact that that Game 5 was the last time that he played on the ice in front of Winnipeg Jet fans. That being said, mark my words, at some point, there will be some sort of a uh, reconciliation and a recognition of Buff's incredible time here in Winnipeg. And uh, you'll get a chance to throw the 33s on one more time and give it up for the big guy, but uh don't think that it's coming anytime soon or involving him actually playing in another National Hockey League game. But it was great to see him looking good and back out on um back out on the ice. Um Rimo, before we get to this hot the football stuff, um baseball's just around the corner. I cannot wait for Gold season. The fish have been making a whole bunch of moves. It was great chat with Greg Taggart, the new manager a couple of weeks ago on this program. But we got some rule changes. First of all, the pitch clock is in effect in the Northern League, which is going to be amazing. Games will be much, much quicker. But plenty of rule changes coming into the majors. Why don't you uh, you roll these out for us? Okay, here are the rule changes right now. Pitch clock
2: in an effort to increase the pace of play. 30-second pitch clock in between batters. Um, I've been to a minor league game where they had it, and you didn't really notice it. I think this is probably needed. You can't have guys like getting out of the box adjusting their gloves. Like let's, you know, 30 seconds is more than enough time in between pitches. Okay, def- defensive shift limits. Uh team on defense must have at least four players on the infield with two infielders on either side of second base. You can't have like four
1: guys, you know, between first and second. I like second. that actually. You like I'm not that big, one? I'm not a big fan of the shift. I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, then I know this is such a, a, a numbers game and there was a lot of smart people that kind of came up with it, but I would prefer to watch more traditional baseball with the opportunity to hit and having the guys normally where these positions are within reason.
2: That's fair. That's fair. And this is the other one, a bigger bases. They're going to increase from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. Um, Bigger base, you know, you're not gonna have guys stepping on each other's feet. These bases are so small, and like you think about how big some of these dudes are, like Aaron Judge, massive individual. I'm sure his foot picks up an entire base. So any more room, less collisions, um, I think is a pretty uh pretty smart play. And I don't think anyone's anti that. That seems like a no brainer. Yeah. I mean the players bigger and um they are gonna have a focus now on enforcing the buck i guess some of these guys now have all these wacky deliveries with like stutters in them and they're gonna maybe take a closer eye on that so um i think there's
1: it better not be coming for my guy johnny cueto um by the way signed with yeah no doubt he signed with the marlins i uh, think and extra innings going forward is going to be uh you know starting with the guy on uh, on second base not in the playoffs though right yeah, I don't think so. And so they want to speed
2: up the games, Hus. And you can't have these games going so late where they got to travel, and you know you're using up all your pitchers. Um, so there's a, I mean, there's a number of rules. There's also some more on like using when you can use a position player as a pitcher, like only in the ninth inning. Um, you know when you're oh. when you're when you're down. So, um, so and then what? There's a or pickoffs, Hus. After you're third step off uh, you get a box so you can't use as many step offs as uh you know going for pickoffs a lot of uh, a lot of changes here to speed things up and take away the things people don't like we'll see how it works out no
1: doubt about it all right let's get to some football um we've talked jets and whatnot um obviously chief super bowl win parade going on right now wish i could be there like well over a million people i'm seeing some guys that i follow Uh, In case either they're saying that this could top the 2019 celebration after the first Mahomes Andy Reid Super Bowl. But before we even got to the parade, Juju Smith-Schuster went Juju, um, you know, trolling the Eagles cornerback that got the penalty with uh, what was intended to be a sort of funny Valentine dig. Uh, And A.J. Brown came over the top rope, calling him tech talk boy and telling him to shut his mouth and know his role as a guy that um, maybe wasn't the massive impact player that he had been in the past in Pittsburgh and was for this Kansas City team. Obviously, everyone knows I love the Chiefs. I wish Juju would just shut the hell up. And I don't think this did himself any favors when it comes to getting another contract, because let's not forget, he was on a one year deal to see how he would fit in there. He was fine. He caught what, five passes in the second half of the Super Bowl, which was big. Um, but if you look back over the last six games, I mean, it wasn't like they were leaning on Juju Smith-Schuster, and he was out for most of the AFC Championship game too. Yeah, here's the tweet from Juju. Happy – just unprovoked yesterday during during the show.
2: Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And it's caption: I'll hold you when it matters most and player of – what was the guy's name who did the hold? Bradbury? Is that what it was?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so – I mean, it's just like unprovoked, like you won. Like why are like you? Like for a fan
1: to do it, actually pretty funny. Have fun with it. But for yeah. a guy that was in the game that got on it, I mean, what's he trying to trying to get? And there's a lot of people I think that lost maybe they didn't have a lot of respect from beforehand. Maybe the fact that he was pretty quiet and just did a good job of being part of a great team in Kansas City this year. Uh, but it's a it's a bad look. It's 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 low class. And as I say, I don't think there's a lot of people at One arrowhead way that we're too impressed with the way he handled yeah. that yesterday.
2: Yeah, like, it's unprovoked. I don't think you need to do that. Anyways, A.J. Brown, here he is, goes, First off, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. And then he goes, This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal. TikTok boy. Yeah, <laughs> he He admitted he grabbed you, but don't act like you... You're like that or ever was, but congratulations again. Uh, calling him TikTok boy was amazing. That was a great burn. And then you see in the replies, everyone, all the gifs of <laughs> just, like, shocked a. faces. AJ Brown
1: chose violence.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm and sure then here's the, someone making a nine Chiefs jersey with TikTok boy on the back. Because Juju uh, likes doing TikTok dances.
1: And, uh, well, and of- speaking of TikTok dances, of course, I know someone's going to give me a shot about Mahomes' brother, Jackson. If you guys are familiar with Joey Molinaro, who does, <laughs> who does incredible impressions, there is about a two-minute video of him putting together uh, his impression of Patrick Mahomes going on Howard Stern. Molinaro's genius impressionist when it comes to sports. This is his opus. This is the best this is the best and funniest work he's ever done uh, we won't play it because there's a lot of swearing in it with it being a Howard Stern impersonation uh, but as long as you don't mind a little bit of blue language go to Twitter I tweeted it out yesterday I believe and uh, thank thank us later I remote normally you'll see a good impression you watch it, I think I've watched that five or six times I mean it is that funny and that good I've watched it a couple times uh,
2: i frequently listened to a Howard 100. So it was pretty much uh, spot on how it would, it would go a theoretical interview. Uh, So I I loved it. And yeah, Joe, he does great work on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Usually what Nick Saban, uh, Colin Cowherd uh, skits. So uh, very, uh, very well
1: done. And I did enjoy that. Oh, Reggie Dunlop should send a Valentine to Clark Hunt's daughter. Yes. Gracie hunt big, big week for Gracie last week. And, uh, in Phoenix, plenty of uh, of Instagram content for uh, for Gracie. She is former Miss Kansas, and now um, announced just before the Super Bowl is also going to be on the cover of Maxim and a big pictorial. Maxim so, is it still yeah, around. Maxim's still rolling. It's not shut still down. No, no, nope, nope. People- and uh, it's still hotties around North America and the world. I think still aspire to uh, get a Maxim spread. So, yes, the uh, the. Uh, daughter of owner Clark Hunt hitting maxim probably a lot of red in the uh, red in it um and it's just as far as the game hey, i know I'm maxim
2: in... are people buying that still i mean i don't know is there a magazine rack remember you used to go like it was so awesome the magazine rack at you know sev or whatever listen that
1: if... was uh, yeah there yeah. listen if you're if you're of a certain age you were you were jumping on that maxim and really maxim made a lot of a lot of women into like superstars because the profile of being like on the cover of Maxim was so huge. I mean, you can basically go down the list, like the Megan Foxes of the world. I mean, there's a, there's a number of them that kind of shot to notoriety through Maxim and then big And I do think they still do the Maxim 100 every yeah, year. I just, the hot, I just
2: Googled the hot 100. They did do it for, yeah. I didn't know you would still Paige? do the hot 100. Paige
1: Sporanic, Did she get, did she take number one this year?
2: I think she was, yeah. Speaking
1: of influencers?
2: Yeah, I think so. So She hosted the Hot 100 party, too. Well, there you go. There I you did. go. It's a, um,
1: but anyways, I could talk about former yeah, Maxim
2: cover girls all all day. I, I sidetracked.
1: I, yeah, now the chat's like FHM was, was better yeah, than Yeah, FHM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I will say this, though. What a game. And I know you would have talked about it the last couple uh, couple days. But... Um, and I know it gets burdensome, especially for people that hate the Chiefs or on other teams, and I've been talking about it for a long time. But Remo, you will remember one game into Patrick Mahomes' career, I said that this guy was going to be special, hit a 40 to one MVP bet on him on his first year as a starter, ran it back this year with two big bets, one on Mahomes MVP and an eleven to one Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, which came in. And the way they did it was absolutely spectacular. I mean, there are are special athletes in all of our favorite sports that sometimes transcend their sports. And that's what Mahomes is doing right now. And Philly looked unbelievable in that first half. I mean, the way that they were running the football, it looked like Strevler on the Bombers from short yardage. Mahomes hurt going into halftime, Rihanna plays for 25 minutes and then they come out, no penalties, no sacks and no stops for the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a, not only a masterpiece for Mahomes, but also for Andy Reid. Um and it was amazing the defensive coordinator of the Eagles who got so thoroughly out-coached got named yesterday as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. You wondered whether they might have had Byers remorse watching that game transpire on Sunday. And obviously, there was a lot made of that call. Not a great way to end the game. Um, but, man, just an all-time performance by an all-time quarterback. And Andy Reid barge into the conversations of some of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, that was definitely a classic. Um,
2: I think it wasn't fortunate are was just the way that it ended. But you just look at the way the Chiefs dominated on offense, scoring on every possession. Um, you know, Scoring touchdowns, Huss, with the receivers being completely... Wide open, confusing the Eagles defense, um, marching oh my down. God,
1: those two. I mean, that yeah. was just, that was a that was a coaching clinic is what that was in the second half.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, the Chiefs definitely, uh, definitely deserved it. And Mahomes, you know, going into the game, I was talking with Hacks, I was like, ah, oh, Hassan Redick, he's such a good pass rusher. This pass rush is going to give him trouble. And you kind of thought maybe it would because just of the way it went with the Tampa Super Bowl. But I think you could see that they learned making all these quick throws. Um the offensive line stepped up. No sacks allowed uh, to Mahomes, which
1: was certainly key. Oh, listen, and... listen. The Chiefs offensive line, mm-hmm. the Chiefs offensive line took a lot of the talk about the, what the Eagles defense did, I think personally. And if you think back to the loss to the Buccaneers a couple years ago in the in the Super Bowl, I mean, that what they finished that game knowing we need to remake this entire offensive line, and they did. Um and the offensive line was maybe the biggest part of winning that game, other than the guy wearing number 15 and what Andy Reid did in the second half. Um, they, took, they took that Philadelphia defense uh, to the woodshed, um, and that had been the best defense all year long. And this is the first time that an MVP for the regular season had gone up against the number one defense in the Super Bowl and won. Three times earlier, the defense had prevailed. Um, But, man, the way they were able to run the ball, Isaiah Pacheco, Mahomes, and a couple times when they really needed it, Um, and the fact that Mahomes did what he did because the Eagles were not on him. I mean, that that Buccaneer game, it was an all-time record since they started recording that stat. Mahomes had to run around 495 yards behind the line of scrimmage, essentially running for his life all night. And there were still some terrible drops in the end zone from a team that just didn't come together. Um, but man, it came together for them uh, in Glendale on, on Sunday. And now and he, some people can say dynasty. Some people can say, well, let's see what happens. The bottom line is this five-year period of Mahomes as a starting quarterback, the NFL has never seen anything like it. Five straight 12-win seasons, five Pro Bowls, two MVPs, two Super Bowl championships, three AFC championships – And I know there'll be people talking about Brady. Well, Brady did it. Brady essentially was on two dynasties, one at the beginning of his career and then another one at the end and then won that extra one. Now, who knows how long Mahomes is going to play? But, I mean, there's no one that started a career like Mahomes has even close. Like Tom Brady had three Super Bowls in his first 14 years in the league. I'm pretty sure by the time we get to 14 years in the league, Mahomes is going to have another one. And who knows, it might be next year, the way this team is set up going forward. But uh, hell of a way to end a great NFL season and even better to uh, cash those tickets, which with uh, my friends at Cool Bet, which will bring us to the uh, Cool Bet odds for today. And by the way, just while you're thinking about, while while we're talking about this, and Remo, let's see what you have to say about this. NFL futures right now are up for next year. The Chiefs are the favorite at six to one Buffalo right behind them at plus six fifty. Eagles and Niners at eight to one Bengals at 10 to one. Those are your clear top five, three from the AFC, two from the NFC. And then the Cowboys at 16 to one chargers, 22 dolphins, 28, Ravens 30, Packers 33. Lots of talk about Aaron Rodgers maybe leaving. Detroit Lions 33. And then the New York Jets and Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jags, Dusty brought this up today. Jags an interesting, interesting team. I'm not sure we'll see a number better than 35 to 1, considering the hype that'll be going in around Trevor Lawrence coming off that great season that he and his team had, coming from the worst team in the league two years in a row to being AFC South champs. That seems really low, thirty-five to one for a team that was in the playoffs behind teams that weren't like the Packers and in a terrible in a terrible division. I mean, you can probably count them to win that division again next year, considering what they had last season.
2: Yeah, and they have you know a top quarter, you know top overall pick and quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. So actually, that's low with Jacksonville. Now I don't know if they're going to win, but um, you know,
1: thirty-five to one just seems like good value. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Anyways, tonight in the National Hockey League. And if you want to get to today's lock shop, Dusty and I were back at it with picks for the Genesis Open. Tiger Woods is back. By the way, you can get Tiger Woods to make the cut at plus 147 over at Cool Bet as well. Um, So you can check that out for a hockey picks tonight. But we do have a bunch of games. Uh, Blackhawks, Leafs, Leafs minus 556 on the money line to win by three is wow. still minus 118. I, I, that might be the biggest spread I think I've seen all year in a long time. Uh, Tampa minus 251 Faven and Zona against the Coyotes. Oilers, big home favorite minus 231 against the Wings. Uh, I like uh, Avalanche wild dropping the the pocket 830 tonight. This will be interesting. I like abs on the road, actually plus 115. It's gone down a little bit throughout the day. Buffalo and Anaheim to take on the ducks ducks. Uh, Plus 180 home dogs. Buffalo puck line plus 116. And then the New York Rangers continuing their strong play of late. And Vancouver looking to come back from that embarrassment by the Detroit Red Wings a couple nights ago. Rangers minus 196. And the Vancouver Canucks are plus 165. Uh, If you haven't played a cool bet before and you want to get in uh, on your making your first deposit, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. Uh, on that first deposit over at Coolbet.com. Rima, what's going on tonight? What's on the docket? Uh
2: well I actually don't know. Uh maybe working on some stuff for this. Always editing videos and doing whatnot, watching hockey. Um, I don't know. I actually don't have don't have plans. I'm really excited. I you know, we have a treadmill in our house and I had to get a warranty repaired, and like two months later I finally got the part, so I'm like itching to put that. Put that in. i got to find just time bust for a, that. bust
1: a few miles uh, miles oh. on the treadmill and uh, watch some hockey. I Exactly. I do want to
2: say, we, you know, we were talking about the all-time leaders for um, Jets, you know, Winnipeg history with 1.0. And you know, NHL.com does make it easy to go. And you just have to go to the Coyotes history, search for defenseman. And look, here's the Coyotes. These are all the Coyotes franchise leaders for points. By a defenseman here, uh, Phil Housley. Are there
1: any guys that actually played for the Coyotes? Uh,
2: yeah, number 10, Keith Yandel, 59 points in 2010. <laughs> and that's why I keep saying, you know, for just for marketing purposes, like, what are we doing here? Um, Arizo- like Arizona Coyotes, all their franchise leaders are from Winnipeg. Does anyone in Arizona get like care what happened there? Absolutely not.
1: So, like let them honor their own history. Listen, what we're um, doing here is we're recognizing Phil Housley as the assist leader. Yeah, with seventy-nine 90, for defense. He's got
2: yeah, sit so here are the assist leaders. So Morrissey, what he was at 45 yesterday, um, in a season. Here's the assist leaders. Housley 79 and 92, 93, Housley 63, 91, 92, Babbich 61 and 82, 83, Housley. Fifty three and ninety ninety one and then Babbage 45, Babbage, forty nine so it keeps going. Frederick Olson's got a forty seven so we'll see where Morrissey lands on, on there, us and then points. You know how
1: well, I think Morrissey's a shoe in to end up being second overall. I mean just that ninety two ninety three season was just magic. I mean Solani scoring seventy six goals, and it seemed like about sixty five or seventy percent of them were assisted by phil housley who had that monster monster season i mean that was magical
2: yeah he'll be top five i mean if you want to be number two in franchise winnipeg hockey history for assists you need to get 63 we need like 20 more and 30 i guess he was on like it'll be close for points i think he's got like 54 i have it on another tab that i don't want to go to right now but um, you know, points Housley is second too, with 86 and 90. Can he get to 80, can he get 30 more points I think he can get? You know, he'll get to top five in both, but how high will he
1: get? So again, I, yeah, I guess that's the, yeah, a good call. I was thinking 56 already, but those are his points. So it's, yeah, he's yeah, it's like 18, 18 to get number two or to tie Phil Housley at number two. Just goes to show you. Now we are in a bit of a different era goals, not quite as easy to score on, but, um, Phil was pretty special, man, and of course he's the guy that came for Dale Howarchuk. Um So the legend of Howardchuck kind of lived on even after he was traded, which disappointed many uh, because Phil Housley had some monster seasons here with the uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, All right,
2: here. Actually, one other thing I was going to send you. I know we got to got to go. Did you see this Friesen report about the Winnipeg Ice? I DM'd it to you during the show. It came out during Paul Friesen live. saying the live Win... reaction here. Live reaction. I'll. Pull it up right now. And remember, we had the report from Mike Sawatsky around December that they got fined by the WHL and he had to, uh, he had to, what, you know, take it back, I think. Is that, I'm trying to remember what happened. Anyways, so Paul Friesen writing now that the Ice could be on their last legs in Winnipeg because they don't have an arena and there's currently no plans to get one and people in the WHL are not happy. Um, because they said when, you know, the condition of coming here was they would build an arena. So, yeah, I mean,
1: listen, that was the first thing they said when the team brought here, they're going to build a 4,500 seat rink, which would be perfect, a smaller venue. The city could absolutely use it. Uh, And listen, the pandemic happened. Um, I did hear, I mean, again, take this for what it's worth, that, you know, one of the big reasons why the things didn't go forward as planned right away was that, you know, with the pandemic happening, you know, you weren't sure whether in the future building laws were going to physically change. Like how close could you have people together on all of that? Um, Bottom line is they weren't supposed to be playing forever at Max Bell. They've got the lowest attendance in the entire Western Hockey League, which is a real shame because they have arguably the best team. Um, I'm just seeing from Freezer's Bit. Unofficial attendance figures show Winnipeg averaging 1,600 fans a game, the lowest mark in the WHL. And um, as he noted, the Winnipeg Warriors back in, uh, I guess, the early 80s lasted four years, and we'll see what happens. That being said, bottom line is, if you want to get out and see some great junior hockey right now, get out and check out the ice because they are a uh, they are a juggernaut right now. They just pumped Edmonton 7-1, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, – cannot wait for those playoff games, and hopefully the place can be packed. But this team is too good to be playing in front of such small, small crowds. Um And, you know, it's unfortunate. I'm sure there's been a lot of challenges to Greg Fettis and Matt Cockle and what they've been dealing with. And they've certainly done an amazing job of putting a first-class product on the ice. Um, But at the end of the day, the home is going to be a major, major issue for the team. Maybe get into this a little bit tomorrow on the program. We do have to go and get the podcast up. Thanks so much to Matt Dunstone. and Congratulations again to him. We'll talk some more curling, hopefully get Jen Jones in the next little while. Scotty's beginning on Friday and certainly Reed Carruthers coming on as well in the next few days. Murata Tesh, of course. Darren Bombing on CFL Free Agency. Of course, Michael Remus, great job hosting for the last few days, but great to be back. Going to go watch some highlights of the Super Bowl parade. Remo will get the pod up and uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 1pm here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night, everyone. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home!
0: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.